Blog Talk Radio. his trunks were compared to his navel, his belly button, right? 
But that was nonsense because, like I said, you can post clips where you see his belly button and other times you can't see his belly button. When he walked away from one of those knockdowns that he scored, Usyk, it was covered. So, you know, my thing is to just be like, dude, it was a low blow. Stop it. There's no other way to look at it. To me, that's nonsense, too. I think it was borderline. Um, And, you know, the funny thing is there's a prime example of what we're talking about when we say borderline or it's a legal blow. Look at the Jared Anderson fight. Okay, on top of that, speaking of the Jared Anderson fight, who he did a great job going to the body, by the way. I didn't think he was low-blowing or nothing like that. but And I also get that it was an uppercut. So, you know, the trajectory of the shot, you know, if you pause it right before he lands, yeah, it does look really low, actually. But it is where he lands. But my point, the ref, if you li- listen to videotape <coughs> and watch it, <laughs> not just listen, um, you're not, you know, you're going to, in the locker room, you're not going to really hear the ref explain anything about the trunks. Actually, someone in his corner, his trainer, Bois' trainer actually had to bring it up. And they didn't really discuss it much as far as the video I've seen. And Frank Warren also showed the video in there. And I'm not just trying to take Frank's side or nothing like that. But in the same breath, back to that Anderson fight, you see him touch both sides of the trunks or on the belt line and say, this is low. Now, once the action started, he wasn't calling a bunch of low blows. So my point is, anybody who's just saying that was legal, it wasn't even borderline, I'm not really lined up with you. Now, if you say it's legal, I'm cool. Like, I can understand why you'd say that was a legal shot. I, too, think it was a legal shot. But it was on the belt line, and... It was borderline, okay? It was borderline. It's not like it was uh, half on the body and half on the trunks, right? The whole fist pretty much was on the trunks. Now, was it the lower half of the belt line? You know, that that all gets to it. And by by the way, it's not your belly button. It is your hips, your hip bones, which is below your belly button. So, I don't know. Just fight in and fight out. You know, a lot of us, people who listen to this podcast have watched a lot of boxing over the years right and we see a lot of belt line shots that nobody calls right we see holding that doesn't get called enough we see roughhouse some roughhousing like on the clinch some uh, refs really allow you to use your free hand on the clinch and actually want you to fight out as much as possible others will jump right in there so We see a lot of stuff, like I said, hitting on the side of the head, hitting on the back of the head. There's a lot of stuff that the rules state that you could go over the rule book and say, well, I saw this in that fight, I saw this in that fight. And like I said, there's literally an example later that night with the Jared Anderson fight. And some of his best body shots, like I said, I'm not saying he went low a bunch. That's not what I'm saying. But he did hit the belt line plenty. Maybe it was a little above the belt line sometimes. Maybe it was right on there. But I just, this whole thing of um, it was low, what's, there's no debate. That's bullshit. You know, that's bullshit to me. Um, now, people that, you know, I'm, I'm with it on the borderline. It's a bang-bang thing uh, based off 
the reaction you got from Usyk, you know, I, I could see how the ref would miss the call. Maybe he made the right call. It's borderline enough for me. I think it's a legit call, right? Or not, I shouldn't say legit. I think it's a legit punch based off what I've seen for years of watching boxing. Now, this was in a different country. It wasn't in where a lot, you know, Japan or the U.K., or Mexico or the U.S., and I'm not trying to say boxing only exists there, but, you know, there are differences between stoppages in the U.K. and the U.S. or Mexico and the U.S. You know, I mean, so there are some differences is my point. Obviously, Usyk is the guy there. There was, what, 35,000, what they say, 40,000, 45,000? I think it was 40,000-plus 40, people in attendance, you know, the vast majority for him. So I don't know. I've just – I don't know. It just it kind of blows my mind, you know, that people go that route. And then, like I said, to be posting these pictures, uh, you know, like Dan Raphael posted a picture that really didn't really show a whole lot. It was kind of misleading. Some people were posting pictures, you know, to, to prove their point about the belly button. Look, his trunks are low. Or, or you know, point you to, um, you know, the post with Usyk's little display. And that's nonsense because you can turn right around and see that there's ones where it's covering his belly button or do you see the top of it coming? You know, so to me, you know, and on the flip side, I'll get into it a little later. On the flip side, there's no excuse for, for Daniel Dubois either. Like his whole thing of, well, he was kind of like demoralized from it. So that's why he didn't do much after that. That's bullshit too. And the whole thing of, I was up ready to fight, then get up at 8. If you can get up at 9-something, then you can get up at 8-something. So I don't want to hear that excuse either, that he would have won by knockout. I mean, and that's another thing. Like, for the people that say this is a low blow, there's no other way to look at it. Like I said, I already think that's kind of bullshit to say that. But then to go that extra mile, and this is what some folks are doing, to go the extra mile and say stuff like, well, if the ref would have started counting, he would have got up. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, you don't know that, and I don't know that. I'm not saying he'd stay down. I'm not saying it would have been a knockout. That's not what I'm saying. So it, that, that, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. For the people that say, well, that was a knockout, well, that we don't know if that was a knockout. Right, but we also don't know if Usyk would have gotten up. And let's say, right, this is all theory, but let's say Usyk gets up. He was in pretty bad condition, unless he was just selling it really bad. He was in bad position, you know. Uh, he was in. He was hurt. However, you think the punch landed, low or borderline or you know fair, whatever. He was hurt. He was affected by it because. There was a moment where he tried to get up, he stopped. Tried to get up, he stopped. Tried to get up, he stopped. And like I said, would he have to will his way up, you know, if they started counting? Yeah, okay, sure. Let's say he does. We don't know both either side, right? And that's okay. We don't know, though. But if he would have got up based on how hurt he appeared to be, it would have been tough to continue after the eight seconds, ten, you know, nine seconds to get up. You got to admit that if he showed as much pain as he did on the ground, that would have been tough to fight with 
having, you know, only nine seconds to get up and really eight, because you're supposed to be rising at eight if you really want to do it, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. We've seen plenty of people barely get up at nine and, and be okay. You know, that's another ref. This comes down to the ref, too. It's the ref's decision. Now, did that ref make um, the right one? It, it, it was a little borderline bang-bang stuff. Now, does this ref have a bad reputation to an extent of making poor decisions? Yeah, he does. He does. Um, so we're going to talk about that. I've kind of <laughs> already went there. But we're going to talk about the actual fight because, like I said, this whole – Oh, it, w- it would have been a knockout. We don't know either. I'm not saying one side or the other because we don't know what would have happened. But the whole Daniel Dubois, when he's talking about, oh, man, you know, I was ready to fight. Well, then get up. You know, so we'll talk about the fight. We'll also talk about some of the undercard stuff. Uh, we'll talk about Jared Anderson and, and Rodenko. Um, I thought that was a good performance by him. Like I said, he worked the body. We'll talk about the undercard because we had the the clear – when people talk about that was a clear low blow, well, we got the definition of clear low blows, and they were landing on F.A., okay? And don't get me wrong, a jog bay was going low too, and it did seem um, – I think he got warned a little bit but nowhere near the amount of times other dude got warned. But don't get me wrong, dude was dude was going real low. Um, and, you know, there's a discussion to be had there. He should have gotten DQ'd, no doubt, because his was blatant, right? He was doing it worse than F.A. But I do have to say, the guy was getting hit low, and there's I'm not going to stand up here and be like, well, because, you know, the thing is, my thing is, you know, I always I always sit here I hear a bunch of people say this, including myself, that if someone's being dirty to you, you have to do it back to them to get the ref's attention. But when you go over the top, then that's that's you. You know what I mean? You can hit someone some borderline shots and not just make it obvious, uh, to get busted. So we'll talk a little bit about that and like I said, uh we had um you know, an upset Nico Ali Wash, not Wash, he got washed. Ali Walsh, uh, Abdullah Mason was on the undercard. Javalov, Carrington, um, and actually a Minnesota connection in that upset. You guys are welcome. Um, and then you know Lorenzo Simpson, truck, he got beat. So we're going to talk a little bit about a variety of stuff. There is some news out there, um, you know, regarding a variety of stuff. Of course, the Smith. Eubank Jr. rematches on. I rewatched it yesterday. I'll give you come up, kind of my thoughts, and of course we'll preview and predict just how that will turn out. It'll be a little interesting. Uh, I really think that uh, I'm way more interested in the fight now than I was going into the last one. Um, and then the Canelo Charlo pay-per-view undercard got finalized. They had a press conference today. I love that undercard for a variety of reasons. And then Wilder Joshua, um, Haney, Pro Gray, a lot of doubt in the air on both those fights. We'll fill you in on that stuff along with other current fight news out there. Um, but, hey, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Adobe Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com 
forward slash rope a dope radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope a dope and download the show directly there. You can find Rope a Dope Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Player FM, and a host of other platforms as well. Um, and you know, football season has begun basically, right? So we do have the college ball show and a local Minnesota Vikings slash Gophers. If that's something, you know, if you're a betting person, right, a betting man, betting woman, right? If you bet on college football, you should check that out because we uh, we definitely are into that. Uh, one more thing. Why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com, Eastside Boxing, Phil Boxing, and Sports News 24. Sign up for DirecTV and save $30 plus add DirecTV sports pack and get the NFL Network, NFL Red Zone, SEC Network, Big Ten Network, and more. Stream with no strings. Live sports news and on demand. No annual contract. No hidden fees. No satellite dish. No cable box. For a limited time, like I said, save $30 on DirecTV Stream. Find the uh, sorry, choose the DirecTV this is a new one. Sorry about that. Choose the DirecTV stream package that's right for you, starting at $74.99. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the cat's already out of the hat when it comes to, uh, you know, I guess where I, where I stand on it. Um, the thing is, it's like, and this is where I understand Frank, you know, Warren is his, his promoter. And he's going to say what he said. And I heard him say some stuff I agree with him on the IFL TV um, interview. Also, some shit that I'm like, what? Like he said, well, that was the closest anybody's fought him. You know, he did better than AJ. I, I mean, how many rounds did you give him again? How many rounds did you give Dewa? I didn't give him one. I'm looking at it right now. I did not give him one. Um, the fifth round was close. I'll say that. Um, you know, the first round was slow. It was really Usyk's jab. A um, couple nice straight left hands to go along with the steady jab from Usyk. Um, you did see uh, uh, Dubois start landing his jab. He was trying to land that uppercut a, a fair amount of the night. That was what the, the body shot was. Now, in the third, the pace picked up a little more. Uh, overall, you know, better lands with that jab, a few power shots. Um, but, yeah, he started pot shotting with both hands, um, and I just thought that Usyk was in control. Now, in the fifth round, Dubois landed a jab right hand, right? Obviously, that's the right hand to the body. Was it low? For me, I, just having watched all this boxing for so many decades, right, and even if you look at the last 10, 15 years, I just go off what we normally see. Like I said at the beginning of the show, sometimes we see excessive holding and it doesn't get, you know, it doesn't get deducted. But we see holding a fair amount. Sometimes we see hitting on the side of the head or in the back of the head or in the liver, right? And sometimes it gets called, but a lot of times it doesn't. We see low blows that nobody gets a point deducted. You know, we see rough fights that both dudes are being, or both fighters are being dirty. You know, it just, it happens. So I'm saying, like, on average, 
seeing that punch land what in my mind was on the belt line and like i said i'm not just going to listen to frank warren right in, in that corner of, of uh dubois but i'm also not going to sit there and go oh, well Usyk told me this is where his trunks were in the post press conference and, and mannix and uh dan dan Raphael told me you know so it is what it is man you know what i mean i think it was a legal blow but I understand where the borderline comes into play. I do think it was borderline. I think it was a bang-bang thing. Um, and like I said, if you look at the beginning of the fight, the referee doesn't say you can't hit on this belt line. That's not what he said. So that plays into it too. And yet you see, you know, on the, um, on the Anderson fight, that's exactly what the ref said. Now, did he, you know, live up to actually, you know, going with that? No, not necessarily. But this is actually, I do want to play this audio real quick here. This is the IFL TV, as you can hear the intro there. I'm with IFL TV. That means you guys must be gutted because from what I've seen, that looked like a legal shot. Oh. You know, I, I, I actually didn't watch it at ringside. I was lucky. I watched it on a massive screen backstage, so I had the benefit of slow-mo and everything else. You know, at the rules meeting yesterday, we made it very clear, as did the other title fights on the bill, to the referee, what is constitute a low blow? It was made very clear. No matter how high the shorts may be, no matter how high the protector may be, you draw an imaginary line between the hit marks. That was pulled up at the rules meeting. I've got a still photograph which clearly states that when that punch landed, it was above the imaginary line. So therefore, that's not a low blow. He should have been counted, and as you can see, he would never have made the count. So yes, we're, we're pretty pissed off. The other thing, if you actually have a look at it, when Daniel went over, he was hit on the top of the head. Again, another illegal blow. Yeah, he got counted. So, you know, we don't like to criticise referees in any sport. Um, but I think he got it wrong. He got it wrong twice. You got a photo from the rules meeting about the rules. No, no, I've got a photo of the actual that what was constituted that fight. I grabbed a still off the slow mo. I've got it on my phone, and you can see the glove is above the line of the hips. So therefore, that is not a low blow. Just because it it hits you on the shoulder. So now the whole thing about and it would have been a knockdown or a knockout. See, I don't I don't agree with that. You know, I don't agree with that. Cause that's just that's just what he thinks. You know, that, that that's not a guarantee. You know what I mean? We don't, you can't guarantee that that's what it would have been. You know what I mean? Um, but it is what it is. Usyk was down, like I said, and bothered for quite some time. That's just factual. Um, and he did, did step up the activity after that. You, you did have Dubois land some shots um, and, and a big right hand from uh, Usyk as well. But to me, right there, Dubois should have stepped on the gas, and, and it was just the opposite. Usyk was the one um, throwing combinations, pushing Dubois back. The jabs, the hooks, the straight left hands. Eighth round, closing seconds. Uh, scored a knockdown. Um, really turned up the heat after that, by the way. Uh, right hooks in the ninth round. Then it was a, I think it was a right hand, right? Knocked him down, um, and it turned out to be a KO because, like I said, I'm not saying that we don't see some boxers and some refs at nine and get up, right? I'm not saying you don't see that. 
But we also know that that's very dangerous. It, once they hit eight, you should be making your way up if you are okay, if you're okay. And he, and he got up, and honestly, to me, it looked like he didn't want to fight anymore, and he wanted to perceive that he was getting up and just make it an in-between thing. The key thing is you don't make it an in-between thing. You don't want any doubt in the ref's mind whatsoever. And he caused doubt by doing the in-between thing. And that's just, to me, there's really, you know, there's really no in-between on that. Um, That's on him. So, yeah, that whole thing about, you know, I lost my way and, you know, he said, I looked at my corner. They said, wait and get up. I got up. I didn't quit. I was ready to continue. Well, if you're ready to continue, then get up quicker, dude. That's just the bottom line, man. You know what I mean? That's just the bottom. That's just how it goes, dude. That's just how it goes. You can't be. You can't play in between. You just can't. You know. And um, other than that, though, like I said, I mean, uh, Usyk's quote. This is Boxing King Media. He said. Oh, Alexander Usyk on, on Daniel Bois, low bro, said it's not a good thing when people try to get a victory using dirty tactics. You cannot actually win being dirty. You have to be clean. And the one who sees it, clean punch is also dirty. Okay, yeah, great. Um, you know, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Also, Don Charles, um, when people, you know, accuse his fighter of, uh, you know, quitting, let the first uh, wait. Let the first man come and say to face. I will punch him in the mouth so hard. See if they'll quit. I'll probably get arrested, but I'll punch you in the mouth. Um, you know it is what it is, dude. The only hit in the balls was the one I suffered when I didn't get my arm raised. <laughs> come on. Um, this is also him. Um, I threw the shot and felt it land perfectly, smacked into his stomach. I became disheartened. I lost momentum after that. This wrong needs to be corrected. I should be world champ right now. See, that's where you lost them. Because to be disheartened, you have a few minutes. Would they give them over three minutes, I think? You have minutes to calm the fuck down and be professional and just turn it up. You can't become disheartened. You can't say your momentum. How could you lose your momentum when he, he was the one hurt on the ground, you know, I just don't understand that. Like, he was the one hurt. Whether it was illegal or not, he was on the ground hurting. So you had every chance to get your win back and go for it, and he didn't. And that whole, the nine, getting up at nine, I don't feel bad for boxers like that. Dude. I really don't because that's on you. You know, from whenever you started boxing, you know when to get up, and you can't wait till the last second. Like I said, have we seen some fighters get lucky with that? Of course. Of course. Right? But you got to, like, if you want to get up, you're ready to go, then fucking get up. You know what I mean? Just get up. Now, this is where Don Charles really loses me. Usyk prides himself on, or as a religious person, He's always making cross signs and praying. I want to know which God he worships because you don't lie in the name of God. If he's a true religious man, he can come out public and say the truth. I cheated. There's no difference between a judge cheat. He cheated. He knows he cheated. Well, no. 
the ref would have cheated, not him. So he's saying because he faked it, so it was like a flop. I mean, that that's silly shit right there. And like I said, I thought it was a, a, a fine. You know, I was okay with it. I was okay with it. By the way, we will touch upon a little bit of that Shakur stuff but in Haney, but I honestly don't want to get too deep on that. It's Twitter. It's Twitter stuff. I mean, it's beyond Twitter stuff because there's a take, but um, I will talk about it at, near the end of the show a little bit, but I'm already getting messages that, like I'm ducking it. It's like, dude, I'm not. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, come on, just stop, dude. Just stop. Um, but anyway, that was it. I mean, he got he scored the knockdowns, got the all, you know, got the second knockdown, and he finished it off. He finished strong, and that's really what counts. And, and now you do hope, you know, you hope and pray that we can finally get the one that we really, really want. And obviously, Tyson Fury has to make it through a fight he should make it through. But that goes with injuries and cuts and stuff like that. And to be fair, he did get cut, now that I think about it. He got cut in September of 2019 in that fight. And he fought in February. And that was a pretty bad cut, if I remember correctly. So... You know, there'd have to be a pretty serious injury for that, you know, for him to be not being able to fight. But let's hope we can get that next. Now, you know, there's obviously no guarantee we're going to get that next because, you know, the powers that be. And I'll say this, like, you know, they haven't been able to make this damn fight. So, you know, I mean, the belts are going to do something. Right? So that is one of the things, you know, about this. It's like, well, I could I could give a shit, you know, if all the belts are on. You know, that's no big deal to me because I know who's lineal and all that. And whether you think Usyk or Fury is, either way it would be for lineal. So, but Eddie Hearn stated that he expects the IPF uh, this week to officially order Usyk to have to fight Philip uh, Hergovic next. He co-promotes Hergovic, obviously, and he won't take any step-aside money. But they already had a a shot to make this fight, so I couldn't sit there and freak out about it. You know what I mean? I really couldn't, you know? And, yes, by the way, I will be talking about – okay, just – I said fight news. You know what I mean? Um, I said I'll, I'll talk about fight. I promise you I'll talk about Shakur, uh, the WBC, and all that stuff, okay? Shakur and uh, Frank Martin and the potential for that fight to happen. But I, I w- like I said, I said fight news, okay? <laughs> but, you know, hopefully it's next. I don't know if it is, to be honest. Well, obviously nobody knows, but, like, I don't know, man. You know what I mean? I really – I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you if uh, – if it's next or not, or or what? Because now we're here in in January or February, but most of it, you know, the talk is January that uh, they want to do that double header again, where they have all four of those guys fighting that night. You know, the uh, 
AJ and, and Wilder and then, you know, Fury and Usyk, but I don't, I really, that'd be a blockbuster and a great doubleheader, right? But I just, I can't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I just, I, I don't know if that's actually, um, you know, going to happen. I'm, I'm a little, uh, little wondering about that. Um, so, yeah, now on to that F.A. Ajagba in the Kosabuski. I think it's Kosabuski. Um, Zahn, I think it's his first name. Um, I gave Kosobuski um, the first round. Um, I thought it was close. Um, I gave him Jogbe the, the third or the second round. Um, he was just a little bit more active to me. I think he, he kind of stole the round no matter what with a big right hand. Um, and like Kosobuski was had like a little mini flurry that that was pretty good. That's what kind of made it closer. I thought it was a close round. I thought the third round was actually pretty close. Uh, that's where Kosa Buski did get the point deducted. It was a, in my mind, it was a retaliation, uh, low blow, but it was really low. You know what I mean? Uh, after getting hit, he did it back. You know, and then you know another low blow point. To, you know, it, it, I don't know. To me, he landed some pretty good shots. Kosa, you could have maybe gave him that round. And then the point deducted, uh, the jabs and a few right hands. That was what FA was landing. Um, and then you know, next thing you know, it's like like Timothy Bradley said that uh, dude just checked out. Um, he did get hit low, but he just checked out mentally. Uh, he got hit low again. Then he purposely hit low on a clinch, and it was a bad, bad one. You know. And that does happen where you think you have, you know, the the ref doesn't have the view of where you're punching him, and he tried to get away with it. But like I said earlier, I, I get some of the whole, um, you know, you got to fight fire with fire. I'm not going to sit up here and say that you shouldn't do that because if the ref's not calling a low blow, which I do think now they weren't as blatant. But I, but I do think F.A. was going low. Um, but but to, to the extent that Koso Buski was going low, I mean, that shit was really low and blatantly low. So to me, it's like you didn't want to be there. When the fight was done, he acted like he didn't really give two shit. So what's that tell you? You know, did he think, well, I have no choice? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, hey, F.A. moves on. We'll see if he fights Jobaloff. 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 Is that how you say that? Maybe they'll fight next. You know, I could see that at some because he got an easy win. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the main event in a second. Abdullah Mason got a, you know, look pretty good. Same with Carrington. He was uh, Bruce was uh, kind of messing with his opponent there on the ropes, having a little fun. But Jobaloff, like I said. Uh, took care of business. What was it? Three knockdowns in the first. And then uh, Sona, a kale. I think it's a kale. Uh, Minneapolis St. Paul representing upset Nico Ali Walsh. I said washed earlier. It looks like he got washed there. Um, didn't his opponent in a previous fight, Walsh's, just get just pop? 
I think I think I remember reading that. I'm pretty sure I remember reading that. Anyway, we'll go to Anderson and Rudenko. Rudenko, I think it was. Um, I thought in the first round, Rudenko landed some decent shots, but the jab, body work, and even a late right hand stumbled Rudenko in that first round. I did like what I saw out of Anderson, not just with the body work, but the pivoting and the movement. Um, you know, definitely, like I said, attacking that body, which that was that was nice to see, no doubt about it. Um, and then more body work, just a, a body work assault, really. Um, and you see Rudenko in a shell a lot of times. I mean, after three rounds, it was 42 to one when it came to the body, just outworking them, cleaner shots. Um, Rudenko did kind of keep headlocking him. And I think what was that the fifth round, the round, I think that the fight ended, he, he did get deducted for that. But after a long flurry of flush comp, you know, flush shots, combinations, they called it off. So overall, I thought, I thought Anderson looked pretty good. Like I said, um, this Rodenko had been the distance with some pretty decent punchers. Um, he had a recent stoppage that if you go and look at that stoppage, it's pretty shaky. Um, so, so to me, I thought it was nice to see Anderson in this like stay busy type fight coming off a tough fight to get him right back in the ring and do his thing. Like I said, I liked how he stuck on the jab. I liked the pivoting and the movement, and I liked the body work. So overall, I thought it was a pretty damn good outing. Um, we will talk a little bit about Truck uh, Simpson, Lorenzo Simpson. Hernandez scored an upset. Some other stuff that happened. And, of course, we'll look for uh, Smith Eubank Jr., the rematch, which, like I said earlier, Honestly, I'm more excited now about this and more intrigued about this fight than I was heading into it uh, in the first fight. I'm not saying it's a great fight. God, I can't wait. This is going to decide something. But I have intrigue now because of, you know, the, the result of what happened. And it's not like Eubank Jr. was just getting his ass kicked the whole time. You know what I mean? Now, he needs to probably stop the Roy Jones Jr. left-hand act you know, when he was basically emulating Roy Jones. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, let's go ahead and bring in a great boxing mind here, John. John, what's going on, my friend? How are you doing? Thanks for the intro, Chris. Uh, great to be here, as always. Uh, doing uh, doing well, and, you know, we got some heavyweight action, of course, to talk about that you, you've already been getting into, and as you mentioned, got the, the Smith um, Eubank coming up uh, this week. And uh, one, one thing I, I had noticed, I, I liked him a lot, and I kind of kind of missed it. It fell under the radar screen, but Theodore Shirkazian did get upset last weekend by a fighter who has won 13 straight, but he got dropped twice early and wasn't able to rally enough to pull it out. So, uh, that's a guy I liked a lot, so that was kind of an unfortunate surprise there. Yeah, we actually had some interesting prospects, too. I liked what I saw out of Scooby and that Bravo had a decent performance. It was mostly po- prospect-driven, but you're right. That was a big upset. We've had some upset. Hey, Nico 
even Nico Ali Walsh got upset. I mean, that was a major upset, John. <laughs> um, and yeah, actually, we you know, it had something to do with the local tie, too, which uh, I'm kind of excited about, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, we thought, but we, thought we were done with ahead, Nico Ali Walsh, but he, he came back after <laughs> his last opponent uh, had a positive PED test, but yep. uh, looks like we might we might be rid of him again uh, after last weekend. That's right. Um, and we might as well start, you know, with the elephant in the room when it comes to Usyk and Dubois. You know, obviously Daniel Dubois really didn't win any rounds or anything like that. Um, let's talk about the performance of Usyk. Obviously, the, 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 you know, the low blow call, like to get your take on that. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Jared Anderson and all that good stuff. Well, yeah, on the low blow call, I, I think the controversy is real. You know, I've seen some people try to brush it off and say, oh, it, it clearly wasn't low, uh, you know, talking about this now. Oh, you know, it it was below the navel. And, you know, even though you, you see that in the rule book, I, I think the people that identified the controversy correctly, and there there was somewhat – a good job of this, I think, done by the ESPN crew even at the time. You know, Pabone didn't didn't identify, and even the rule book refers to you know the referee's judgment. You know, he he didn't, as we see oftentimes, most times, but in replay, you know, you know, pre-fight and instructions, he he didn't instruct what he was going to consider low or not, and this is a fight that ended up mattering now. You know, in his defense, in real time, you know, he's not looking at a replay or anything. You know, am I going to get on him for calling that low? No. Uh, You know, Chris, you've watched a lot of boxing like I have, and I think, you know, some older observers have said that this, some haven't, but I think it's a little disingenuous to say that that was a shot that was clearly low that would not have been called a legal blow in a lot of fights. That that's that's not that's to me disingenuous. You're you're not being honest. Those to me are kind of Usyk fans who just Agreed. don't want to accept that, that don't want to accept that this guy's got some flaws. Um, yeah, if you can't call it borderline, at least right. then I don't know what to tell you. We see we oh. see. You know what's so funny, John? is look at Anderson and how many body blows he landed on the belt line in that fight later that night. Exactly, Chris. I mean, with all the boxing you and I have watched, I mean, really, again, I I concluded just what you said, like a borderline shot. So I wasn't going to say it was a bad call, but I would say really out of all my time watching boxing, that would have been a shot called more – called legal more often than it yep, than not. was yep. called a low blow. And, you know, it, it would, in, in traditional, you know, going decades of boxing, yeah, you, you're just saying that's a, that's a belt line shot. But, again, for going looking at it in real time and, and being right on the belt, calling it low is not really a bad call, but it was borderline. I mean, if he would have counted them out there uh, – you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I don't think it would have been a bad call. And now, now again, some some 
kind of people that are more fans of Usyk than maybe just calling it impartially. Oh, he definitely would have gotten up. Well, I, I don't know. You know, he 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 did respond well in the second Joshua fight when it looked like he was going out when Joshua finally committed to the body, uh, and he rallied well in the next round. I got to give him that. That was impressive, and he did kind of his own version of that in this fight, even though he had the took just about the full five minutes. So it was a bit different, but he he did rally. But, you know, look, this I'm comfortable because I've been on the record of this for literally years. I mean, and of course, you know, I, I've said it with you on many occasions, so you know. I, I mean, going back many fights, Usyk, to me, had shown body vulnerability. I had literally said many fights ago with him, you know, he, he gets he – gets hit with clean body shots he looks to the referee he bs's the referee and he gets away with it he's been doing that for years and you know then resurface which is just fact you know amateur footage of him getting dropped by beater bf to the body uh, other amateur fights getting hurt to the body now you know it's amateur fights a long time ago nobody's perfect you're going to get hurt you're going to get dropped things like that but all i'm just saying is you know i'm not disputing how good Usyk is and all the things he does well, but this body vulnerability has been there and he's been getting away with it. And you could at least make the argument he got away with it again on Saturday. And this time he, he could, he could have been out. Um, but he has, re, he has shown in the second Joshua and then this fight though, that he, he can still come back and respond. He's got to throw volume punches. And even though he has a lot of good head movement and he's obviously a skilled boxer and he's got the amateur pedigree really in the pro game, going back to his cruiserweight days too, it, it, you know, it's, it's been that ability to have that stamina where, where he can really turn on that heavy volume that, you know, a lot of his opponents just can't, can't deal with later in fights. And, you know, Dubois, Dubois of course, who, didn't show the resilience against Joyce, you know, Lorena, a lower level opponent. He did show it, but just, just being in bad trouble against a guy that he, he really probably shouldn't have been in or been in that kind of trouble against who he was fighting with, what he was getting hit with. Um, Usyk was able to, you know, you know, come back here against Dubois, who's, who's not all that resilient. I did think that Dubois, it wasn't to be that he was doing anything special, but I did think he, he was doing a little better into the, in the fight. I'm not saying he was winning a lot of rounds or anything. You know, certainly he wasn't winning the fight, but I thought he was having some success. Um, so Usyk, you know, 30, 36, on 37, he's down to fighting once a year. Um, one, you know, I'm with you. I mean, the controversy is real. You know, this, this people now trying to dismiss it, saying, oh, it was clearly low. There was no controversy. I'm not buying that at all, and I don't think that that's the right take or the right analysis at all. But I think some of the people that went a little far, a lot of them Brits, just saying it, it was absolutely legal. You know, there was no way it could be called low. You know, that's when Fabone's calling that in real time and it's on the belt, that's probably not that not necessarily fair either but i mean everybody agrees to it it wasn't a shot to the cuff you know it, it wasn't it wasn't that kind of a shot uh 
I mean, you can see that. You could see that on, on replay. So, yeah, I, I really, even just talking about it, thinking about it out loud, it really is a shot that in most fights would have, would have been called legal. Um, I, I think that, you know, the argument there for for it being low and the ref seeing it real time, it's okay. I think for me, I, I did tweak this after the fight too or exit, whatever you want to call it now. Um, borderline, like you said, I mean, I think borderline shot could make the argument for that call either way. It's not a cop-out, but that's the way it's going to stay for me. But, I mean, it, to me, it was really planting a little more towards something that, that would have been called legal more often than not. So then my final take from the fight then is, you know, Usyk, to me, this does fit with this body vulnerability he's shown where he, he complains to the ref when he gets hit with legal body shots. He's been getting away with it. So it, it kind of comes down to this, you know, analyzing and for him in the future. I mean, there is a, a – of body vulnerability there, I think that's real. And, and I, and frankly, I saw at cruiserweight too, he had this behavior at times at cruiserweight. So I saw then again, some people who were kind of fans of his saying like, Oh, well, you know, it's just a little frail for him there at heavyweight. Well, now, nah, you know, you got hit with those shots by Gassiev too, and kept looking to the ref and he was getting Gassiev to touch gloves with him when he was complaining that it was low and the shots weren't low on replay. So, you know, that's one fight right there. Uh, you know, and he did it in the Joshua fights too. Um, you know, and there's been others. But who can do it to him? I mean, that's where you got to be fair to him. So it's got to be a, you know, a lot of the heavyweights because of the power, you know, they get enamored with the head hunting even more than the lower weight classes. So it's got to be a heavyweight that can go to the body and is able to do that against Usyk. And then you have to have the other factor is, maybe there's more chance of that now than there was even before Saturday because people are finally calling attention to this. And I've been saying it for years, who's going to be the referee, you know, if, if it's Usyk Fury, you know, is there going to be a referee that's going to keep playing into this like he's had, or is there a referee that, you know, when, when he gets hit with a clean body shot and starts looking to the ref and stop fighting that the ref's going to do what the ref should do with just, stand there and not do anything when the guy does that and just let the action continue. And so you're going to have to have both, you know, a heavyweight that can, you know, go to the body with that kind of attack and then a referee that's going to call it correctly. With those two factors, Usyk could be in trouble, you know, going on 37, but in his favor, you're, you're going to probably have, some people that can't hit him to the body, and especially because he's got a good hand speed even at his age, that they're going to be afraid to get encountered. And you have to always take that into account when you're deciding if somebody's going to be able to go to the body or not. And, you know, he, he does have good boxing skills, and he has shown the, the resiliency uh, in these last couple of fights, uh, especially in that second Joshua fight. So, but I would say this, because this is the matchup being talked about. We don't know if it's going to happen, and he's getting older too. But I would say if you want to look at a package that would be bad for Usyk would be the Fury that showed up for that second Wilder fight because Fury's quick for a big man, even though Usyk's quick. And if, if you get a Tyson Fury, we'd never really seen that from Fury before that, but he went at Wilder with a body attack and muscling him around coming forward. 
I would say if that version of Fury, even though Wilder and Usyk have totally different styles, I would say if that version of Fury is able to show up uh, against Usyk, could be in some serious trouble because he's not responding too well to that. And if, if a referee is going to, you know, again, let, let, let Fury go to the body uh, at, at the kind of weight and heft that Fury brings, so that, that, that could be some trouble for him. So that would be, um, you know, pretty much my complete take on the Usyk-Dubois fight. I don't need to see a rematch, I will say that too, uh, even though I think that that call could have been either way. I, I'll, I'm in the camp. I, I don't need to see that again. Yeah, I agree. You know, this whole thing, I got disheartened, you know, from it and all this stuff, John. It's like, come on. You had over three minutes to get over being disheartened because your shot didn't count. You could have went on attack. Like you said, too, and I said this earlier before you got on, look at how Usyk responded after that. You know what I mean? Why didn't you do that? And also with the, the getting up at nine, I just have no sympathy for for fighters that get up at nine, you know, because it really lends itself to that 10 count. And if you are so ready to fight and get up and continue, you got to get up at eight, you know, you got to, it's just, like I said, we have, we have seen people get lucky before and barely beat the count. You got to get up if you're ready to fight, you know? Yeah, Dubois looked like he he was ready to get out of there, and and other than and this is what I predicted pre-fight with him too. This is I mean the the end result was exactly what I saw coming. I mean Dubois doesn't have the resiliency and the stamina that when Usyk is going to be throwing punches at him later in the fight, which Usyk does discourage a lot of people like that. But you know from what we'd seen to Dubois, you you that's what did happen. You figured when it got to that point that he was going to fold, and he did. So. Uh, that part, that part was predictable. The, and even Usyk being hurt to the body is predictable. I guess what was a little unpredictable is even though he was saying he was going to do it before the fight, I didn't think Dubois would really be able to land there. And he did land some other body shots. I mean, I know in punch stat numbers it wasn't a real lot, but if you were watching the fight, he, he did land a few other good body shots. Um, so, you know, again, we do see a pattern with Usyk that, that that's definitely effective. But like you said, and I agree 100%, he showed really good resiliency, Usyk did, in the second Joshua fight. He, he really discouraged Joshua when he came back, when it looked like Joshua had him going, uh, stemming mainly from the body attack. And then Joshua came, did okay in the 12th, but he had really, you know, just didn't respond when Usyk showed the resiliency and came back at him and uh you know same with Dubois when Usyk did start and you you do have to give the guy credit because you know however it happened I mean he he was hurt by that that blow when he did go down Uh, I don't think there's any doubt he was hurt about it and even though he got hurt by it even though he got the time recover still he he didn't get discouraged you know he wasn't afraid to come at Dubois uh, and that, that's a credit to him, and, that, and that's a real strength of his. Again, that, that stamina, that volume, and that ability to come back he's shown in these last two fights, um, you know, serves him well and makes him a tough opponent, even as he's getting to more of an advanced age. And, you know, Dubois just wasn't the guy to respond there. I mean, he just, um, he just didn't, didn't respond. Yep. 
no doubt about it. Um, and then uh, Jared Anderson, you know, got out. He had a little rough outing, especially in two different rounds with Martin. Um, got buzzed or whatever. Uh, came back uh, within like what sixty days, fifty days, something like that. Um, and, and you know, fought a guy. Like I said, I did like his performance. Um, I do wish the fight would have went longer because he, you know, he needs the work or whatever. But what'd you think of that? I mean, it, obviously it wasn't like a a big step up from what he had just had, obviously. But it is nice for him to stay busy, and he, he definitely needs these type of fights before they step him all the way up. Um, and then we can talk about the undercard. And, and speaking of fouls, <laughs> uh, that co-feature had a lot of fouls in it. But to the point, though, you know, I did like what I saw, the body work from Anderson. But like we mentioned, I mean, I remember ESPN was showing a highlight package, and, you know, multiple shots went on the belt line. Nobody was calling them, uh, you know, illegal shots or whatever. But what did you think overall, or could, could you not really take a whole lot out of it uh, because of the opponent? What, what was your thoughts? I didn't take a lot of it out of it because of the opponent, but – what I did like was there was a couple of things though I did like. I I still like a fighter who like understands the assignment. Like, you know, Jared Anderson knew that okay, you know, had a little more trouble than expected with Martin and wasn't able to stop him. You know, Top Rank had this set up on ESPN for him to stop somebody, you know, on national TV in the US. And but it was at least somebody who had gone the distance with some legit tough heavyweight opponents and not been stopped. Uh, and he only stopped the one time and yeah, it, it was kind of a somewhat controversial stoppage. So you did have that angle, which was somewhat legit. And then, but I like, I like a guy like Anderson in that situation when he understands the assignment. In other words, boxing is still prize fighting the entertainment business the more people that want to see you fight, the more money you make. I mean, that, that can't be argued. I mean, that's just a fact. And at the highest levels, when you have people like Canelo and you know, Floyd Mayweather, and you get to that level of people wanting to see you fight, you make that level of money. I mean, that's at the ultimate extreme, but really it shows you how much it does matter. So, yeah, Mayweather retired undefeated. So, you know, people like to make the argument there with him, like, well, it's about the O, you have to keep winning. But, you know, it's also people got to want to see you fight. I mean, maybe, you know, in some sense, Floyd Mayweather did that in a different way, but people still wanted to see him fight. Um, you know, he marketed himself well. Uh, Canelo, you know, has been able to do that. So people people got to want to see you fight. And when you have a national TV appearance, I, I feel you can't afford to stink it out. You know, some people say, oh, it's win, so what, he, he won. Well, no, no, you know, you're on national TV. Uh, you know, look, kind of an example, like when, when Edgar Berlanga started to have trouble and he wasn't getting out of that, people out of there, you know, he, he ended up off of ESPN and top rank and on the zone. <laughs> I mean, you know, after he was knocking right. all the guys out in the first round and, and his, his numbers were going up. So, Jared Anderson, to me, he, I, I could tell he understood the assignment. Like, I got to get this guy out of there. I like that. You know, there was no, I'm going to box him and just get the win. And 
he, he knew what the assignment was. And it was with what happened in the Usyk Dubois fight earlier in the day, it was kind of good timing, like you said, and interesting that he, he really just went with a heavy body attack. And I'm, I'm not saying Jared Anderson and Usyk's going to necessarily happen in the near future or, or ever happen, but I like that too, though, that, you know, Anderson was saying, hey, look, you know, as I was saying earlier, if, if you're a heavyweight that can also have a body attack and a lot of these guys don't like it, you know, that, that's an extra that's an extra weapon you got, and that's a avenue to win fights. So, you know, I like that emphasis and, and showing that he could do that. I mean, sometimes maybe he's overdone it a little, but it is kind of interesting to see Anderson's talent throughout these fights, even against this level of opposition. You know, he, he has shown he can get opponents out of there in different ways. You know, he, he's shown the stances. He's done the body attack now. Uh, you know, sometimes he sometimes he's boxed a little. Sometimes he's just looked to blitz somebody out. Uh, he had the Forrest, even though it was in a very short period of time, Forrest came out throwing some decent shots, and Anderson just kind of brawled it out with him real quick and got him out there quick to stop it. So I like how we're seeing some some different ways of getting people out of Anderson. And, of course, the Garrett went the distance. So uh, if there's one one additional thing to like about Jared Anderson, it, it's that we are seeing already different things from him, and he's been successful with it. You know, only one opponent's gone the distance so far. Yeah, he, he's legit top ten at this point in this heavyweight division. I think he is there now. I think people are going to kind of start a, a less. Yeah, is he going to take the step up against the? Top ten guy. I think he's ready for it. Top ranks with some heavyweights, so you know they seem like they're putting something together there. So. For Anderson, so you know, for me, I really need that step. Uh, I'd just like to to see, you know. If they can get him a top uh, a top ten contender and make a fight like that, now I think that he is uh, ready for it. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, like you said, they've been keeping him active, and I thought you made a good point there as far as just you know, like understanding the, the assignment. That that's pretty much perfectly said, and that's exactly what he did. And like I said, he didn't just go out and bang the guy out and not use any of his skill either. You know, I liked how he attack the body, like I said, movement, jab, and everything like that. Yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see, um, you know, his development moving forward because he's uh, fairly developed now. And like you said, he has, uh, you know, he's faced some, some decent fighters. Obviously, the Martin one stands out. It would have been nice for Martin to have full camp, but it's not like he didn't come out of shape or nothing like that, as we know he was supposed to have some fights, too. Um, anything from that undercard, the FA and Jogba, or, or any item from the uh, from the undercard there, John? Yeah, I thought I thought even though it had the bizarre ending, um, it wasn't his fault. I think you know this was kind of like the last chance saloon to you, to you, to use an old term for FA and Jogba. Just had that feeling. Tim Bradley said it, and he is you know a commentator on top rank fights, but I think it was the truth like that. 
you know, maybe if Jogbo was going to get cut by top rank if he lost this fight. I think he, I think that's right. I think he probably would have. Um, they, they haven't really featured him quite as much as you thought they would. Then they did do it with the Shaw fight, which was, you know, an important fight because Shaw was unbeaten at the time and, and a Jogba won it, but it wasn't the exciting fight we thought it might be. So here, here's another one. He's, he's, you know, in a key spot, you know, co-featured Anderson. I, I like these heavyweight double headers they're doing. I, I like this idea. They, they're going with it. I, I hope they keep doing it. Um, so even though the fight ended up bizarre, I thought Ajagba was looking real good. I mean, Karoma's had him boxing. Karoma hasn't backed off that. I, I thought Ajagba, you know, even Dan Canobio had confirmed, you know, when, when Ajagba, you know, going up through Sanchez, what he was undefeated, I mean, he he was he very high for his output. You know, people, we think of his power, which is real, but his output was very high for a heavyweight. So I think it was in the early stages of his career, it was the combination of that output with the power that was successful for him. And then he got with uh, Kay Karoma when left PBC and he went, you know, and left Ronnie Shields. And Karoma, you know, does a lot, has done a lot of top work with the amateurs. He's got a lot of guys that box well. And he just kind of, He's kind of been really persistent with just having him box, which wasn't all that impressive. I mean, even though he got the Shaw win, uh, really wasn't that impressive. And that's, I think it was legit that he was on the verge of getting released. Um, you know, he wasn't able to outbox Sanchez. Uh, but Sanchez is tough. And, you know, it wasn't like he was not competitive or anything, but he got dropped late and lost that one. But here he was was boxing again, but he was mixing in some power with it. And, and as I was watching the early rounds, and he was also going to the body, which really unraveled Kazabutsky because those those were clean. I didn't think those were low. You know, I, I just thought Ajagba was doing an effective body attack, but it was mixed in with boxing. And then you saw him, you know, boxing from the outside and, and actually successfully slipping some, some powerful uppercuts in there, uh, which – you know, from from this boxing stance, you know, you saw it maybe earlier in his career, but but what, since he's been boxing like he has been with Karoma, you hadn't really seen that too much, and it was effective. I mean, it, it was impressive, and Ajagba came into this fight as a plus one fifty underdog. So not only was it last chance saloon, he was in this must win situation as an underdog, and I thought he was controlling the fight, landing big shots. I thought he was. You know, hurting Kosabutsky to the body and hurting him otherwise. You know, he was getting that uppercut in, some other power shots. I was, like, surprised. It looked to me like the Karoma project was actually coming together uh, against uh, an undefeated opponent. And the guy got discouraged. He he wanted out. I mean, you know, he's making excuses that he was getting fouled and stuff. He, he just wanted out. Uh, he was getting hurt and you know, I, I do hate that, as I think most fans do that watch a lot of boxing. You know, when you see a guy about to get taken out, and in, instead of getting taken out, then he starts going low and fouling his way out. It, you know, you, you, we don't want to we don't want to see any of that. I mean, the sport, you know, the sport can't have that happening regularly. You know, it happens, but it doesn't happen all the time. Uh, we've all seen it some, but this was one of those instances. You know, I, I can think of fights over the years where you see it. I mean, they talk about Galata, but, you know, Galata's situation was the most bizarre because 
he he would be doing it in fights he was right in, you know, and he would like get maybe panicked, but but you know you know <laughs> brawls that brawls that he was competitive in, you know, of course the bow fights, uh, but he you know then with Pahoa he bit Pahoa so. You know, getting panicked, yeah, I mean, it, it might have been this guy getting panicked, but he was getting hurt, and the Jogba was hurting him to the body, and, you know, he just fouled his way out. So I, I can't blame the Jogba for any of that. The, the fouls were blatant. They were clear. He repeatedly do it. He wanted his way out, and I thought a Jogba showed enough up to that point, and I, I do think the fans and, the and you know, regular boxing observers have had the proper take on this. Nobody's, you know, holding this against the Jogba, and people – do seem to be giving him props for getting this win. And I think that's fair. I think that's the way it should be. This did end up being a, a good Ajagba win that shouldn't get taken away from him because he was looking good and the opponent clearly fouled his way out intentionally. So Ajagba did his job when he had to do it, which makes it a little more interesting than what what will they do with him next. I mean, they, they could put him and Anderson together. You saw that mentioned. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying they'll go that route, but it's conceivable. Of course, that would be a really good ESPN fight. But with these guys, that, that top-ranked signing, I mean, there there might be other options as well. So, you know, Ajagba's gotten himself another decent fight, probably another – I would say after this one, you know, he, he probably gets a tough opponent uh, that top rank has and, and it headlo- headlines in ESPN. But that but that's good for him. His You know, his, his career is uh, – is still on track now uh, after being on the edge. So I think it was a bizarre win, but a, but a good win ultimately for Ajagba. I, I did see some signs of this K-Karoma uh, pairing working, which I frankly had kind of kind of been on the verge of giving up on myself. But I saw some uh, I saw some flashes there Saturday night. Any other items from the weekend? I don't know if you saw that Lorenzo Simpson upset from Hernandez, who was a you know real real fighter there, or or any other items uh, before we get to this uh, Liam Smith and uh, Chris Eubank Jr. rematch. I didn't see the Truck Simpson fight, but I, but I will say that uh, you know I was checking in on other prospect fights over the uh, weekend and. Really, nothing nothing positive jumped out at me, to tell you the truth. There was some guys that I thought might, and it's just one weekend, but that I thought might have some positives uh, that have jumped out and impressed me in the past, but, but not, nothing really did impress me that much on this particular weekend. So uh, that, that would be my take on the rest of what I saw as we go on to this week's uh, major fight, which is the uh, rematch of uh, Liam Smith and... Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah, and I went back and rewatched it, and um, beyond the Roy Jones uh, stance, uh, he in my in my mind he or in my mind he was doing that too much in the fight. He was even like winging the uh, letting the left hand kind of wing around, kind of like Roy Jones. You know, he looked just like him at times, which I hope he doesn't bring that into the ring. But you know, the jab. Um, the step backs, some of the little pot shot right hands. You know, Eubank Jr. was doing plenty to win rounds. Um, I thought the first round was close, but, you know, I gave him the second and third. He got caught, you know, right in that flurry of combinations. 
Um, I did think he got hurt before the elbow landed and stuff like that. I'm not going to sit there and take it from his side and be like, oh, well, it was the elbow. Because, you know, I did watch uh, the little face-off, and, and he said that, you know, I've been I've been hurt before, and I've faced guys that could punch as good as Smith or whatever. And he, he said, you know, I've never been on the ground, and the first time I get hit with an elbow, I was on the ground. Um, but he wasn't on the ground right after the elbow, you know, it's not like he landed the elbow and then he went down. So it was a, it was just a common, like a flurry of combinations. Um, and then, you know, Eubank Jr. was super hurt. I mean, he was barely able to walk. He looked like he was walking with concrete blocks on his feet or a quicksand or something. Um, and then got stopped the second knockdown, which I thought was a great stoppage at that time. And he was so out of it, he looked like he was about to go throw a punch at Smith, even though the fight was over. Um, what are your thoughts here? Because, like I said, I'm not saying it was a lucky shot, because like Liam Smith said in that face-off thing, he was like, well, which one was it? Was it the, the left hook? Was it this? It was, he named about four punches that he landed in that flurry. Or was it the elbow? Or was it the weight drain? You know, that type of thing. I thought it was kind of funny how he broke that down. But that was a crazy flurry that was just effective. And, you know, basically, long story short, because I know you don't have a lot of time, was it just perfect shots that landed, and as long as they don't land, Eubank's going to win? Or do you think this is going to be a, a repeat? Um, because, like I said, i got to admit, I am more, you know, anticipating it now um, the second time around. I, I actually, you know, and it is, it's going to be at middleweight as well, not at a catchweight or anything like that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, on this one, I'm not 100% settled on, but I'm leaning Smith again. My take on this one is, for years, I really thought both of these guys were were overrated and not particularly good, um, especially Eubank Jr. Not not saying I didn't think he beat Smith in the first fight, but but that that was my thinking that that neither guy was that good. But in recent years, before the Eubank fight, I, I, I Liam Smith had some performances where. I was like, you know, this guy's a a better fighter than I thought he was. I mean, it was before the Eubank fight, so it uh, didn't mean I thought he was automatically going to beat Eubank or something, but I'm like, he he's a little better fighter than I thought he was. I was still thinking Eubank wasn't that good, but they were fighting at middleweight, and I was in the minority. I, you know, you, you mentioned right, a lot of the breakdown on Eubank Jr. seems to be him with Roy Jones Jr., I did have some interesting discussion after the fight with some knowledgeable observers and good back and forth. And, you know, I was in the minority that I, I, I liked what Jones was doing with him. I'm with you. I, I thought he really in the fights before this one, like he was fighting kind of like Jones, but I, I thought it looked pretty good. But what I'm getting to with the knowledgeable observers is, some of them were saying automatically, oh, I don't like this Jones thing. I don't like this Jones thing. But some of the more knowledgeable ones were then saying we kind of had an agreement that, well, I, I was saying I, I thought he was looking pretty good with the Jones thing. But, but one point that was made that I kind of agree with is 
might have happened here, and, and it is kind of my take what did happen here is I thought it was kind of working, but you know, Eubank's older than you think, and even for Roy Jones, the man himself, you know, when, when you're relying on that style so much with, with the reflexes, you know, the speed and the reflexes right. and not the classic technique, when you just get to an age mm-hmm. where, where you're, you're not that dominant over the opponent with your speed and reflexes, that just unravels because you're open. You don't have the fundamental defense. And so you don't have the – you can't avoid the shots and, and just overwhelm the opponent with your speed and reflexes and all of a sudden things unravel. I mean um, – And he hasn't could, been could, doing that style for long either. That was actually exactly. my biggest problem with the style was the defensive issues. You're right, though. He looked good in everything else. But you're right, and, that, and that's what some of the people that were knowledgeable were saying, and I thought that was a pretty good point, was just like what you said too, Chris, and of course you're knowledgeable. Yeah, just it, it, the age, like not doing it for as long, and then the age he was reaching. Because one thing I'm still going to push back on, and I'll say it, I, I've seen some people say, like you didn't like the Jones style, oh, he, he just needs to get back to this, this aggressive destroying guy. And I'm like, what, what aggressive destroying guy? He was a, an aggressive guy swing, swinging wild punches with no technique. Yeah, he wasn't destroying much. He, was, he wasn't destroying anybody. And Maybe Yildrum. If you want to go back to that Yildrum, that's about it. Exactly. He, he destroyed Yildrum, and that's kind of what they were looking at, and Yildrum ended up being nothing. And then you look at fights like where he lost to George Groves, and he, he was swinging wild and, and looked like a guy fighting out in a parking lot. and. Yeah, just terrible. That's why I never did think it wasn't just that fight, but a lot of others. I mean, because the, the the guys he was getting out of there were were real low level opposition. You know, he never got any high level opposition out of there. So I never bought like, oh, he's just got to get back to what he was. And that's the way I'm still looking at it. Like this Saturday, like you know, if he thinks and and people backing him think, you know, he he's just going to go back to yeah, like because he was able to get a guy like Yildrum out of there fighting like that, that he's going to do that against Liam Smith, even though Liam Smith's mid-30s now. That's not going to happen. Uh, that, that, that's not – he's not going to turn – I don't see him turning that around Saturday in that fashion. Uh, now, I, I would agree at the age he's at, you know, maybe, maybe he can't do the Jones style and do it either. So that, that's what's got me leaning towards Smith because even though Smith – like I said, early in his career, he never really impressed me. He has impressed me a little bit more in, in the last few years. And what he does do well is he's kind of is one of those guys that, like, he just does enough fundamentally well, maybe not spectacular in any one area, but sneak on all his punches, you know, respectable. Solid defense. whiskers, too. Got a good chin. Yeah, he has because you wondered, but outside of – you know, Cadello stopping him, which is no shame. His chin has been good in his other fights. So, and then I always had him as a guy with no pop, which I think was legit. But then, you know, I mean, even if it's not your very best opposition still, I mean, you took out, I mean, he took out Jesse Vargas. He took out Fowler. Uh, he took out Eubank. So, you know, he, he's, that doesn't mean he's this tremendous power puncher. 
just because he did get the stoppages in those fights, but he's he's showing a bit of pop to go with everything else that he de- he did decently. So it seems that at this point, that's the way I'm leaning that 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 package is going to be enough to beat Chris Eubank Jr. again. Um, it's not this is not one I'd want to bet the house on, but I, I gotta lean Smith. Uh, for those reasons at at this point. Yeah, I got to admit I'm on the fence right now, but uh, I appreciate you finding uh, a little time to pop on uh, the show, and uh, it'll be back to its normal schedule Tuesday night next week as well, sir. No problem, Chris. One thing I'll just say as I jump off here is because you did mention it about uh, part of the discussion on the show tonight is, I do think, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as say it's maybe new, but I think I might see at least maybe where boxing is going to go for a while and see if this works. Um, you know, this model's been semi-floated around, but I got a feeling these good undercards are part of it. I think maybe PBC uh, will, with you know, through show pay-per-view, is may, maybe they're going to be going to a model where – you're going to run pay-per-view maybe, let's say, eight, nine times a year, almost once a month, but not quite. And you're going to make the it's undercard. Stack the card. Yep, you're going, to make, you're going to stack the card and make it really good for two reasons. One, to get hardcore fans buying so you can run this eight, nine times a year and make, right, make right. it successful. And then two, if you're not going to look, – look, it looks like the subscription model is dying out. So – you know, the zone's not going to make it like that. Um, like I said, for, for these kind of reasons with the shifting landscape, I don't know if the old show premium cable or, or even if that goes to Paramount Plus, if that's going to be the main outlet. So you're going to have to get these fighters fights and exposure. You know, yeah. he's got a lot of fighters. So the exposure now is going to be a stacked card with a big headliner where you, you roll out your other guys in decent fights, not walkovers, and you're getting that, that, that is like the main exposure opportunity. And you're going to run these maybe eight, nine times a year and see it, see if that works, you know, kind of like UFC's done some, you know, that's, right. that's, that's, that's kind of the feel of it. Right. I, I think that's <laughs> and then they can do be. the YouTube stuff where they can run an extra right. couple fights as well on their normal and the pay-per-views. You're right though. They need dates regardless, right? They need to put on fights with their main fighters, enough of them. Because they had that Fox deal, that's gone. So they got to make up for it someplace. Right. I think this. So I'm not saying whether it's going to work or not, but things have shifted to me a little bit again lately, and I think maybe they're just kind of then now tweaking this. Where that's the direction. Yeah, yeah you can't run a, You can't run these fights that maybe aren't pay per view worthy alone, and then have no undercard, and think you're going to run them out there eight nine nine times a year, and it's going to work. And like you just said. Your other fighters need dates and exposure, so let's not have them in walkover, like a fight like, you know, Ramos and Lubin, obviously not a walkover. That's a real good fight, and, and the other ones are interesting too, and, 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 you know, have those coming out every every month or so and seeing if that works, and then you're going to let the fans, obviously are just going to pick and choose. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe the fans choose to get five five out of those eight or something like that and, you know, something like that. I, I, I think maybe that's what we're going to see for a while and, and, and see how that flies. 
Well, if it, if it's like this year, it'd work. You know, we'll see though if they can have enough worthy main events in these pay per views. But yeah, I I I think that's a I think that's a fair I think it's a fair assessment of the directions they're going right now. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking we'll is see, like, like look, it's not that I'm looking to pay or I just want to pay, but I'm starting to now look at maybe the other side yeah, it's of reality. it. Like, yeah, like look, you know. I mean, if, 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 like, this card we got coming up with the Canelo Charlo, if, like, let's just say in theory, if five out of the eight cards are going to be like that, well, I might feel better about carving out five Saturdays like that where all the fights are going to be of interest to me than, than sitting through even on my subscription product for a bunch of crappy under, undercard fights that I'm not that interested in for maybe an okay main event or something. It's, it's not like, like we've kind of talked, even though, we're hardcore observers fans. It's it's not worth the time investment. A lot of times, it's you know really not. So, um, you know, maybe with this you're going to say, okay, I got to pay, but it's worth my Saturday three four hour time investment. You know, five six months a year or something like that, and, and that this is going to start being the, the main thing. We'll, we'll see, but like you said, if these last couple, if they're more like that, it, it seems like it might be more viable. Yep, and, uh, you know, um, we do have Thursday night is the return of college football week one, and I'm excited. My, uh, right. My, my Gophers are playing Nebraska um, in Minnesota, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it to come back, no doubt about it. Yeah. Good luck to your uh, no, Mountaineers that, there, sir. Yeah, so you say, you know you got the Mountaineers on NBC – against Penn State, yep. haven't played him for 30 years, an old rival. Uh, I'll just throw my two cents. The, the, the might, WVU has a, has a ton of running backs, an offensive line, and two running quarterbacks. They haven't shown really what offense. i got to assume they're going to do a new offense, and they haven't shown it yet. I mean, I mean that in all seriousness. Uh, it, it could work offensively and be a, be a big surprise Saturday night. Uh, if it's not, they're finished, but – uh, even though Penn State's preseason top ten, I think that could yeah. shock everybody. I don't know how their defense is going to be, but I I will predict that it's not Rich Rodriguez coaching, but they have it's Neil Brown, but they have all those pieces in place to run that kind of an offense if if they've got it properly ready and they unleash it Saturday. There could be some pri- some surprises, and uh, and I know they're twenty and a half point underdogs, so I'm. I'm what risk I'm taking there saying it and I'm not right, a regional right. <laughs> fan but I, I am going to tip people like yourself or into it that there there is something to look for there Saturday night on national TV uh, I don't know how their defense is going to be but uh, there are pieces in place to run that old Rich Rodriguez type of a type of a scheme and let's see if Neil Brown can, can pull it off uh, if not they're going to be in trouble <laughs> Yeah, they definitely. I mean, hey, holding the ball and running it and controlling the clock is is a you know at least they get you below the the minus twenty you know for betters out there. So I, that's what I'm thinking. I, I say, look, don't, don't, you could be bad at me on the Sunday boarding, but uh, if it goes wrong, of course. But I was, <laughs> I'm thinking with that style, I think they can run just for the reasons you're saying. I'd be good yeah. to take the twenty and a half, and, and normally you don't want to take those kind of spreads because you figure, gosh. It's it, it's not even expected yeah. to be competitive and things like that. But 
I think they, they I think they could run the ball in Penn State, and that cuts down on the clock, and, and then you're you're doing pretty good getting the twenty and a half. But I don't. But I'll admit, I don't know what kind of defense they're going to have if if it, if it can hold up. So that that's a that's an X factor there. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. So it is a a good a good weekend of college football coming up. All right, you have a good night, John. Take it easy. See you next all, week. All right, Chris. Great being here as always. Talk to you next week. All righty. So, uh, kind of wrapping up, and anyone that's on right now, if you want to press one and join in to talk, feel free. If not, you're just chilling. That's cool, too. I won't go to you. You don't have to hang up or anything like that. Um, Denise Brint, what is it, Brinchik, something like that, I think it is, and Anthony Yidget. You know, a lot of people talking about Yidget, Yidget, um, you know, or not a lot of people talking about I mean, it was a good fight, actually. It was very competitive. I knew that, what was it, 2012, I believe, right, that they did uh, they did fight in the Olympics. Um, and so now, you know, you got the, the fighter from Ukraine winning both uh, fights there. But I um, I thought it was a good fight. I actually thought it was a good fight. Um, what was it? One fifteen, one thirteen, one sixteen, one twelve, one seventeen, one eleven. Um, you know, yeah, I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was very competitive. Uh, Denise, you know, won. I thought he won, but it was close. It was competitive, so I definitely want to mention that. Now it sounds like there was an issue after the fight. You know, he fought so hard. Yes, you did in that fight, and, and he, you know, his eyes were bruised up. He had cuts, and they were having issues, uh, or he was having an issue, you know, being able to get stitched up. They didn't have the equipment at the facility, and they, according to to him, they were kind of jerking him around as far as not wanting to use the ambulance, whether that was because of the charge. I don't know how it works there. I know how it works in the U.S. though when it comes to the ambulance, but that's the whole point of having it there. Now, eventually he did get a ride there. He said it was just handled very unprofessionally, uh, which it sounds like from all, you know, all takes it, it, it is. And, you know, they even got an apology or whatever. So that sucks. You, you don't like that jerking around fighters after that. But uh, we'll see where uh, the winner goes there because, you know, he is uh, – he is in line when it comes to the rankings, no doubt about that. And we did get a little switcheroo with the rankings, um, and we might get another switcheroo. And I'm talking about the 135 uh, rankings at the IPF. You never know. That might be a little switcheroo. But we will talk uh, some fight news, no doubt about it. You know, a lot of talk, a lot of doubt, let's say, in the air when it comes to Haney Progray and Wilder AJ, you know, this is old news now because I didn't get to do a show last week, but Alicia Baumgartner obviously popped dirty. She says she's innocent. We'll see how that goes. Hellenius popped dirty. Uh, he said he's innocent. Um, you know, a lot of people want to go with the conspiracy theory um, that Matchroom and Eddie Hearn, you know, 
that Baumgartner only had one fight on her deal, and so they were trying to. To me, it's like first of all, I don't think that would happen. Going to have her, he's going to pop, you know, force a dirty test, like make a dirty test. I mean, the thing is, even if it's Anthony Joshua before he lost in that revenue brought in, I'm not saying he doesn't bring in revenue. He's about to bring in, a, you know, if they can get that fight done with Wilder, that's going to be a lot of revenue for Matchroom too. But my point is, Baumgartner doesn't bring in a ton of revenue. So you kind of lose me right away with the, oh, she's got one fight and, and she's screwing them, you know, or they're screwing her. Uh, on the dirty test, um, she'll have hopefully her time, in, in, you know, in a hearing or you know her day in court, so to speak, and she can. We'll go from there. We'll go from there. But this whole thing in McCaskill, I think it was. Is that who it was? Jessica. Who, she came out and said on the boxing voice and stuff that was pretty far fetched, and she came right back. We'll talk a little bit about that later. She came right back and was like, actually, she came out with kind of a half-ass uh, apology. Then she came out with like, as, you know, she got ceased and desist or something, or she was about to. Uh, but, yeah, we have some other news. Like I said, the Canelo Charlo uh, undercard, uh, the Shakur uh, Haney stuff. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. I don't want to deep dive on that. Uh, actually, the boxing voice right now. Uh, is actually having, I think, the teams on. Shouts out to Ness. Shakur and Frank Martin, is that fight going to happen? It sounds like there's some positivity coming out of there. Um, but real quick, talking about that Hernandez and uh, Lorenzo Truck Simpson. Truck Simpson came in undefeated. And, you know, I gave him the first two rounds. Uh, I liked his jab. Uh, he was flashing a little bit of defense. He was actually, um, you know, moving on the outside a little bit. <laughs> I thought the second round was close, though. Um, it was some fun two-way stuff in that round. Hernandez, mid and late, really got, uh, you know, some activity, especially to the body. I thought early in the last part, Simpson did enough. I thought he landed the best punch of the round. But um, to me, Simpson just needed to adjust. Like, it's like, dude, why, why did you, like, as the fight went on, you look at the third round, the fourth round, these looping right hands seemed to buzz uh, Simpson. Truck was clinching there for a second. The body and head work. Um, the last minute of that third round. Shots with both hands. Hernandez is a tough cookie, right? He's a good fighter. Um, and my thing was, and I gave, like I said, I gave him the, the, the fourth round Hernandez too. I just couldn't figure out why Truck was so worried about getting on the inside and fighting this guy's fight. He won the first two rounds. Uh, jab it. I gave him the fifth round too, actually. I thought, uh, it was a bounce-back round. I thought he landed pretty good to the head and body. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Hernandez was definitely probably outworking him and stuff like that. I thought the sixth round was very close. Could have went either way. I gave uh, the seventh and the eighth to Hernandez. There was some back and forth in the rounds, but I, I gave the seventh, like I said, 
to him, and I gave the eighth to him, too. Um, like I said, the sixth round up in the air, you know. I have three rounds. I had it five to three. I would have been okay with four, four, because, like I said, that, that I thought the six could have went either way, four, three, one. I was fine with five, three Hernandez. Um, you know, the, the 79, 73, I don't know about all that. Uh, 77, 70, well, 78, 74 was the other one. 76, 76, eh. But my thing is, he came out with the jab and some movement, uh, Chuck Simpson did. And then he just fell in love with, I'm going to bully this dude. So he wasn't jabbing anymore. He was basically just trying to, you know, use one, his, his like, lead hand to, to push down the guard of Hernandez and try to throw punches. And he let go of his defense. He let go of his movement. He let go of his jab. And it was just like, I'm just going to work this dude, you know, and, and tear him up. And to me, I just, that was just so weird. It was like, why are you doing that? Like, what, why, why would you even do that? I just don't, I, I never understood that one. That, that threw me off. Uh, but that overtime boxing has been pretty good. What they do, three or four straight, was it four straight shows? I like when they, I don't, I kind of like when a series comes out especially if it's prospect-driven or mid-level-driven, some of the stuff we see on ProBox from time to time, ProBox TV on that app. Um, there are some things I like, even that uh, Scooby um, in that Carmona fight. I thought Scooby did a pretty good job in that fight. Uh, that was a good fight, though. That was a good – it was a very good test. And also uh, Santiago gave a really good test uh, with that – what was it, uh, Zamarone? I think it was good test from Santiago in that fight. I know that was two weeks ago, but you know, I I, I did like what overtime. It sounds like overtime boxing is going to come back. I heard December so far. Um, I've heard that. I've seen that, and I've heard that now. So two different uh, sources there, but overtime boxing, you know, kind of interesting there. You know, I, I, I was pretty interesting in that. Uh, we also had. Um, what was it? Uh, Kazaraskis? Kazaraskis? I, I think that's what it was. Uh, he won most of the rounds using his jab really well. Score actually got knocked down early on, though. I, I want to say it was a left hand like 30 seconds in. Got knocked down, got up, fought really well, responded, um, and, and won a bunch of rounds after that. You know, like I said, hard right hands, body punching. Um, you know, he kind of rallied, you know, his opponent, you know, was doing his thing, Igobo, he was doing, you know, he was, he was rallying after, you know, kind of losing some rounds in a row, um, taking a big right hand, uh, in the, what was it, the fifth round, I believe, but the jabs, the right hands, the hooks, I just, I don't know, I, I just, I thought it was good, I, you know, you can start to kind of see the shots that, um, that Casa Ronkis was was uh, was that they started adding up. That's basically what I saw. Um, dude was showing heart a ton of it, but he was getting just continued to get hit flush, flush and flush. I think like thirty or forty seconds left, maybe fifty seconds left. TKO in the eighth. So yeah, that overtime boxing. What I was gonna say is I kind of like if they could stick to the same venue 
I believe they did that for most of those fights. That's kind of interesting. ProBox did that as well, um, just to kind of gain the overtime idea. I, I like it. Obviously, it's got to be a six or eight rounder. You know, you can't you can't do that in a twelve round fight, obviously. But um, I like the idea of the overtime thing. You know, I, I think that's we've seen that. Was it the World Boxing Super Series or the World of Box? Was that was that where we saw the overtime? I feel like that's where we saw the overtime. We've definitely seen that format before, but I did like what I saw. And, and like I said, there was some tests in there. Um, I, I definitely like that. And also that that most valuable prospect show, that was pretty good. Nestor Bravo in Madeira. Uh, Bravo won cleanly, but, you know, I, I thought I thought that was a decent – you know, and like I said, I know that was a little while ago. I just wanted to – I never got to comment on that. And also, Abdullah Mason and, and Bruce Carrington. Bruce Carrington went the uh, distance for the first time. I think that was, what, eight-rounder, I believe. Abdullah looked his normal self. Um, but like I said, we, we do have some other some other news. Ryan Garcia, golden boy, kind of at odds. We'll talk about a variety of stuff, but let's go ahead. And, and I'll also, you know – give my take on the, the Eubank-Smith fight on the rematch, because like I said, I did watch the fight over again, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely more intrigued the second time around. Let's go ahead and bring in Carcino. Carcino for life, of course, um, from Chicago. All right, let's go ahead and bring him in. There's the mute button working. What's up, Carcino? How you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm doing quite all right. Just busy. All right. Good. Well, that's normal for Carcino. Ever since I've I met you, man. Ever since I've known you, you you the hardest one of the hardest working men I know. Um, yeah, so, that's true. <laughs> he's like, yep, that's true. Um, so let's start with the Usyk Dubois fight. How it went down. Um, the low blow. The counted low blow. Uh, you know, Daniel Dubois after that said that it it bummed him out. <laughs> you know, it took my like it it took the wind out of my sail and all that. But you know, he had about three or four minutes to recoup, so he could have went on the attack right after that. He chose not to. Uh, Usyk was actually the one that stepped on the gas. But let's talk about that fight. We can talk about Jared Anderson. We can talk about some of the undercard stuff talk about Eubank Jr., Liam Smith rematch, and whatever fight news that you want to talk about. But let's start with the elephant in the room. That is the Usyk and Dubois, um, you know, fight, <laughs> which was funny, pretty one-sided beyond uh, that one punch that strayed low, according to, you know, uh, the referee. How did you see that go down, friend? It just amazes me that, in today's time, in all these years of watching boxing, we have arrived at a point where no matter what the outcome of the fight is, somebody can take one element of something and make it the whole event. I've never seen a fighter who was completely dominated, got knocked out, <laughs> and he looked at as the victim or the should be the victor of the fight. 
and I'm hearing it all on the internet. He got robbed, and I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? It was a knockout, uh, my, my, but we don't know <laughs> if it was a knockout, even if it was a legit shot. I'm so baffled with the way that people, like, view things now. It's just baffling. Like, Terrence Crawford has to defend the way he beat <laughs> Harold Spence. <laughs> it's, like, crazy. It's like, there's no way he could beat Harold every round like that. There's no way. It's impossible. Something had to go wrong. Now he's got to go out and basically defend it and be like, I'm I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> well, why didn't he do this and that? So going into this fight, uh, DeWolf, you know, he came out um, pretty, you know, he came out with okay. Usyk um, did a very good strategy early. He said, okay, let me see what this guy got. He didn't really throw to nothing too hard early on. Just threw stuff off speed, try to get him to reach, and just countered him. Then he kind of dropped him pretty early. I thought, you know, I thought he was, like, popping him. And I said, wow, this is easy. This guy's not going to even count a punch. So I'm like, he can just go in and attack DeWar anytime he wants. So DeWar came in, and he landed some good body punches in the fight. But everything he threw on was hard, like a bald fist and telegraph. And he had no adjustment for the footwork of Yusuf. Yusuf could do whatever he wanted to do. He he decided when the fight was going to happen or when he was going to be offensive, when he wasn't. Dubois was just hoping that he can just get close enough so he could start getting his combinations off. But he has no answer. He can't fight going backwards. He has no answer to stop anything when the fight is being pressed on him. He has no answer for it. And the low blow that everybody's talking about in the fifth round, when he hit him on the belt line and everybody, he fell down and everybody's, oh, my God, that's a knockdown. He won that fight. That's a legal punch. I understand if a casual boxing fan who's never seen boxing or never know the rules of boxing before ever watches a fight. I I can understand them saying that's a legal shot. It's a low blow, ladies and gentlemen. It is clearly a low blow. It don't even need to be defended, nothing. The belt line is not automatically legal. That's why it's called the belt line. It's the divider. No, it is not. They can use it as that, but it's the referee's discretion. Anything below the belly button is considered a low blow. The referees, in many occasions, have I shown them that they'll say, okay, this is, this is the foul line. Anything on the belt is low. I've seen that in many fights. It has been called that way because of how you have your belt. If you have your belt lower enough where your belly button is exposed, the belt line is considered low. If you have it up too high, they will allow punches on the belt line. That is the rules. The belt line does not the equator of a low blow or not. 
<laughs> it depends on what the referee calls based on how your trunks are made. Some people have the belt expanded really far because they want to try to protect as much of their body as possible. Or like Oscar De La Hoya's, you know, got the side pads Tommy all Hearns. the way up. Remember Tommy Hearns back in the day? He used to put those oh, things yeah. so long. Tommy would push yeah. those things way up. Oh, yeah. So the referee would allow certain blows to be on the belt line, and it's up to the referee's sure. discretion. But that was clearly a low blow. So it's not controversial. The Internet's going to do what, you know, a lot of people love that. I think they you get could call it borderline, though. I think you could at least call it borderline. I, know, I think you it's borderline mean? more. No, because it was more on the lower part of the belt line. So – no, I'm saying with the you pole. on the lower part oh, of the like belt line, line, and the belt is, and the belt line is not really all the way up on the navel like that. Then, to me, I'm just like, that is a low blow. I mean, it's it was low. The referee called it low, and that's what it was. But that didn't determine the fight. I mean, for him, yeah, if it was a legal blow, if he landed a legal body shot and didn't hit the man low, <laughs> but now he got three, four minutes to recover, and it was the fifth round. You still got a whole fight to go. And if you're exactly. going to say, oh, that took the win out of my cell, no, you, he quit. He packed it in and quit. He got hit with a good shot, he went down, he quit. He could have got up and kept fighting. He, he didn't want He wanted out. He was mentally checked out. Because he wasn't going to win, he knew it, and he just started shutting down. He's not conditioned enough to go that far, go 12 rounds, and he was just being outboxed by a more skilled fighter, and he's not gonna, he wasn't going to win. Yeah, we he didn't stop win rewarding one people. Yeah, we got we to gotta stop rewarding people for their, you know, got to call it for what it is. It's like, look, this guy lost. I'm not here to reward a guy for a low blow and say, hey, he should be the champ. No. <laughs> you put that guy if in the you're room, ready to fight beat. if you're ready to fight then get up at 8 don't wait till 9 and 10 you know what I mean exactly my thing is he wasn't he didn't want to get back up and compete he didn't want to he didn't even fight he, when he was up he wasn't fighting he had quit already he had shut down he was trying to see if he could make it to the cars he was tired he couldn't do anything and he mentally was being defeated because he couldn't do anything to stop Usyk. He's not a, the champ, people. <laughs> stop trying to give these participation awards to these fighters that don't deserve it. He wants now, a ribbon. He wants a ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. A seventh-place ribbon. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't even know what color is that. What what is that? Yellow? What is, what, what ribbon is that? I have that no idea. <laughs> Something that'll be in the back back of a trunk somewhere. Yeah, I don't think they remember ribbons. I think we're old school, Garcia. You know, the ribbons, man. I remember those ribbons. Yeah. Man, he used to be proud, like, hey, I'm seventh place. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't win the whole thing, I didn't want it. Exactly, exactly. Um, so hopefully they can, you know, hopefully Usyk can, hopefully they can get that Fury Usyk fight sometime next year. Who knows? What do you think of uh, Jared Anderson's uh, 
fight because uh, I, speaking of body work, he put in a lot of bo- body work on uh, Ruchenko. Well, I felt that looking at it, it, it was uh, it was pretty good. You know, I'm like, I'm a fan of the person that still goes to the body. <laughs> so when I see when I see him right. putting in that kind of work. You know, I'm just like, okay, that's good. We got somebody, because that's like a lost art now. And when you see people like, oh, okay, they're not going to commit, you know, to the body and do that. But I, I think he needs to to really step it up and take it up to the next level. I mean, to me, it was like the body shots were there, so he took them. Uh, Redunko was landing some good counter left. I mean, <laughs> My goodness, <laughs> those counter lefts he was landing. Anderson better work on that defense. He better protect that chance because my goodness, Radenko was landing some lefts, <laughs> and it was sloppy looking, but it was wild. He was landing those big lefts. I was like, man, okay, dude, you can't just because you have a guy hurt, you got to keep your guard up. Because let's say this Tyson Fury. You can you give him that kind of opening, you're in trouble. Yeah, that ain't gonna go well. Yeah, but yes, yeah, his body punching is good because see the thing about it is that uh Radunko wasn't jabbing. So if you're not jabbing, you're just putting up the high guard and walking towards like Anderson, he's gonna big baby's gonna just keep chopping this tree down. So he just walk right in, not worried about a jab because you're not throwing anything, you walk into him at a high guard. So that's going to be the end of his night. It was typical destruction. And you can let basically putting yourself at a disadvantage because that stick should have been out there the whole time. Keep that jab pumping. You know, you can keep Anderson off of you and it'll slow down that body attack. But if you're just going to stand there and be a punching bag and just high guard your way to try to get in close. That's terrible. You should be throwing a jab. I swear I didn't see him throw one jab the entire fight. Not one. <laughs> Redunko, I don't think they even practiced the jab. He walked in with the high guard, I swear, every round. He just, <laughs> it was like, okay. He, On he's his ring walk, he had the high guard up. Oh, yeah. wasn't even the ring yet, he had the high guard up. <laughs> yeah, he just walked straight into shots. It was like, what is this guy doing? It's not even making sense. But then he'll pull out a like a wild haymaker from like Louisville, Kentucky or something. He just, <laughs> it just landed because, you know, You're Anderson right, wasn't concerned. But when he threw, he did land. Yeah, that is true. They were yeah, wild yeah, he, he would did, land something wild pop. like a guy at the bar. You know, be like, come on, Randy. <laughs> Randy, be, nope, I'm ready. And Randy will land one big haymaker and come with another. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. That yeah, funny. but, man, yeah, that was that was a, a, Time to step a it crazy up, though, for, night. Uh, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Batman. Time to step it up. Next next opponent needs to be a step up for Anderson. Yeah, it should be someone in contention. I mean, they, they, they throw belts on these guys. So I'm like, look, he's got to start fighting some top ten type of fighters now. You know, he's up there. 
You know, these guys are on there calling out Tyson Fury and all this. I know he's only like 15, 16 fights in, but, you know, you got it's time for these guys to, you know, step it up. We got to see some top 10 fights out of these guys. We got to see if they really got the goods. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, any like other that Charles items? Martin fight was great. Yeah. I remember the Charles Martin that thing. Great. That was good. Yeah. yeah that was that, a really good time. That brought a lot out of him, you know, because Charles Martin is a great interview, too. He's he's totally hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He <laughs> really like the is. The fight where he got knocked down, um, <laughs> that fight, he got knocked down, and he, well, he lost. He, he, he was like, man, why was you, like, out on your feet? And he's like, that's my fault, man, because I trained so well. My legs were in such great shape that right. <laughs> I wouldn't go down. I was just looking at my <laughs> corner. It's like, nah, dude, you're frozen in your track like it's a negative degrees out, and you got stuck in like a pond or something. He was. <laughs> yeah, I remember I went viral off a short I did on that. I was like, <laughs> when he got hit. And they played it for him, and he thought it was hilarious. <laughs> He was what? What? Who? Who's on the phone? Wait, who? Someone's at the door. Who's at the door? Don't worry, I'll get it. Whoa, what's going on? <laughs> he didn't that even clip know went that viral. That's funny, man. Funny. Yeah, it was like, oh, wait a minute, someone's at the door. Let me get the door. Whoa, somebody get the door. Someone's at the door. <laughs> like he didn't know where he was. <laughs> then he was just sleep. Oh, man, I was like, this is hilarious. This clip, I didn't know it was going to do what it did, but, man, it was like at like 300,000 views <laughs> just off a clip. <laughs> oh, yep, so stuff. now the on-again, off-again rematch with Spence. <laughs> and um, Spence and um, Terrence Crawford, man. Now, here's the problem. Everybody wants the rematch except for the team of of Errol Spence. Errol Spence's team doesn't really want the fight. Not at all. So the only people that really want the fight that's out there talking about let's do the fight (laughs) is not the people that's actually doing everything. Like, Showtime wants the fight. They want to fight at the end of the year. They think like, okay, this is it. We got the Jamil Charlo fight. So, you know, we want to get that Canelo talk going and trying to talk to Terrence to boost him up to go up to 68 to fight him. Like, well, we do a 65. We do a catch weight or something like 65, and and then we should go from there. And, you know, Showtime is just seeing money, money, money. So it went from he's not going to fight to, okay, this is the fight. Let's talk about it. Because first, Terrence is like, no, ain't no way I'm going up to 168. I got limits. Now it goes from I got limits to, yeah, I'll fight him at 68. Like, whoa, what happened? Where'd that come from? Yeah, that kind of surprised me too. How did we go from I won't fight him at all to, yeah, we can fight at 68. So that lets me know Showtime said, hey, don't say say that. We have to boost up the interest. Because Showtime right now is cashing out these guys. <laughs> it's time to cash them out. They've been sitting around getting free money for years, everything taken care of. They're like, look, it's time to cash these guys out. 
It is definitely time. They got to go. And it only makes sense. Because you got all so these guys the on the book. do you think the will happen then? Um, yeah. They, well, they said they gave him two dates. The date that I already told people, December 9th and then the 30th of December. But they don't have right. anything scheduled. So that's pretty bizarre. I'm like, they don't have anything scheduled. Why would that, you know, go that way? It's pretty weird, but I just said, okay. They know more than me. So there's no need for me to argue about it. So uh, Arrow wants to fight. Yeah, Yeah, Arrow wants to fight, though. Yeah, he, he definitely wants to run it again, but his team don't really think they should run it again. Which that's understandable, too. <laughs> you know, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, but then they're saying, like, t- fighting Tim Su. They was like, well, either that or you can put on a fight with Tim Su and get you a belt, you know, at 154, and you can beat Tim Su. And I'm like, I don't know if I, uh, I think he would beat Tim Su, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, after the after the beating he it's just a good took. Fight. Yeah, it's a good yeah, fight. That's it's a great fight. But Arrow's at this point looking like, am I going to get $20 million out of fighting too? Because he's been That's looking at the money too. angle. Right. He's looking at the money angle. And Showtime's looking at the money angle. Showtime's like, look, we just had a great pay-per-view. We had people packed. We had celebrities here. We had a lot of people watch the replay. It was huge. So now that they got all these people watching the replay and doing all these different things, now it's going to take to a whole nother level. So they're like, this is a, an event where people are coming out to. So we need to make this more of an mega event. We need to have big fights. These are the moments people get dressed up and come to the fight for. That's why Canelo came to PBC. You know, it was like, okay, they didn't have any attractive opponents for him to fight over there. So he's like, okay, I'll do this three-fight deal with PBC. And that's what I like about what PBC is doing now. They realize, look, we can get these independent fighters. Like, they don't belong to any other promotional company. They are free agents, and they can just – they don't have to sign the PBC. They don't have to be a PBC fighter. They can just, you know, be an independent contractor. And that's what Terrence Crawford is. And I told people, I said, he's an independent contractor. He is not, but no, he's like, no, he won with the PBC. I'm like, no, he really has this one fight, and then that's it. Then they'll have to pay for his services again after these two fights is up. He had a two-fight deal. He didn't have a three-fight deal. Only he has a two-fight deal guaranteed locked in. So if they choose not to do the rematch, they have the option on the second fight. So the third fight, he has an option. He can go fight anybody he wants. He don't have to be you know, obligated to fight somebody from PBC. But the people that he want to fight is in the PBC. So he's not going to have a problem there as far as making a fight. And that's what I tried right. to tell people. Yeah. I said, this is where he wants to be. Yeah, this is a, this is that's why I was so excited when, you know, he became a free agent because it's like, dude, it's all there for you, man. It is all there for you. And Al's going to be taking less money than a promoter, you know? 
percentage wise. Pretty much. So, so I think know. now he 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 sees what Al's plan is as far as how Al wants to do the fight. That Al's not going to try to rip him off. That Al's like, no, you're going to get your money. It's just that yeah. it might have to come later down the road, and it's not going to come all at one one big lump. But you're getting your money, and then you'll and be the happy in the end that we did a, it this way. Yeah, and the profile just got a big bump. You see him every which way on all sorts of different platforms. It's awesome to see. I mean, that damn parade was phenomenal. Um, it's just oh, been yeah. great. It's been great. It's been great to see this uh, this victory lap. Uh, it's damn near a marathon victory lap with a marathon because he. It's it's been great to see. I'm really happy for him, and we'll see, you know, what happens. Real quick, what do you think about this Eubank Jr.-Liam Smith rematch? Because, you know, Eubank Jr. was doing his thing, boxing for three rounds, winning, and then Smith hit him with, like, a flurry of combinations. Sure, one was an elbow, but there was about six or seven other punches that were clean as fuck, hurt him really bad. Ended up stopping him. Eubank Jr. was still on his feet barely, but he was trying to still fight after, which tells me he may have had like a walking concussion is what we used to call it back in the day. Um, As long as, you know, the only thing I didn't like about uh, Eubank Jr. was that Roy Jones Jr. stance that I thought he was doing too much. But the jab, the pot shots, the movement, I liked what I saw out of those rounds. Was it just that... Liam Smith is just going to outpower him because uh, this fight's going to be at middleweight too. There's no catch weight or anything this time. Was it just lucky punch? Not lucky punches, but was it just he he was able to hurt Eubank Jr. so much that he couldn't continue, um, and that's what's going to happen in the rematch? Or can you know Eubank see what happened in those first couple rounds and take it to win a 12 round fight, just fighting a little smarter? Because I got to admit, Carcino, I'm more interested in the rematch than I was originally in the fight that, you know, Liam Smith pulled the upset in. Well, here's the thing. Liam Smith is going to lose the early round. The thing that's going to come down to is the stretch. Chris Eubanks Jr. is going to win because he's been working with Roy Jones, and he's been fighting like Roy lately. And his style is Roy, where the left hand is all the way down to his knee. And, and he's got the right hand. And he's up like there. swinging he's that thing. His, Yeah, like he's using the athleticism. And he's bringing the jab from down low. And Liam Smith comes in basically with a high guard. And he looks like my dog on accounting. But <laughs> Liam Smith can crack. And when Liam Smith cracks, you know, because, you know, Eubank's defense is not really there. He can't take it. But Liam Smith can take it. You know, that's the thing about Liam. He can take a shot. Chris Eubanks is all athleticism, and he just don't get it, you know. And I mean, a lot of people say lucky punch. I don't think so. I just think that this rematch is going to go to probably six or seven and stuff like that. But when you get caught rolling and you get clipped, like he got clipped, it's because he's trying to use uh, someone else's style. That could be weight, you know, had trouble making weight and all that. But 
But Liam Smith is definitely, definitely more, I would say, a polished fighter than than Eubanks. Eubanks used too much athleticism, where Liam Smith is actually not slow, as people think. He's actually fast, but he's solid, very solid when he comes to luring you into traps. And he knows, like, okay, this guy's got more speed than me. He's more athletic. Let me let him get comfortable. And then I'll jump right on him when it's the right time. So he didn't get crazy. He kept everything in the box. And that's when 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 he hit him with a nice left and he came with the overhand right and landed the combination, he knew Eubanks was not in a position to counter him with anything. That's why he was letting it go but he let everything go from the box. I think this time Eubanks is going to be a little bit more careful and more aware that, hey, this guy can't crack. He didn't think Liam Smith could really hurt him, but he learned. <laughs> he learned that fight. But, yeah, Eubanks was looking good early, and I, I think he's going to look good again. The first one, two, three rounds is going to be the same type of thing. And then – as he keeps using and exerting all that energy, getting himself tired, wearing down, and leaving himself open, trying to just use his last lettuceism to bob and weave and slip punches and not think about counter shots and staying in a, a threatening position, even on defense, to return fire, to make the opponent at least think that, and you're just going to let him walk in, it's going to leave you, you know, susceptible to a lot of powerful shots that's going to put you right back on the canvas. I see Eubanks getting stopped in about round eight or nine. I see him stopped in about round eight or nine. All right. There you have it. Any other items, uh, sir? Thanks for, uh, you know, hopping on tonight. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm hearing that uh, Jamel Charlo is uh, not looking that good and uh, training for the fight, but I didn't want anybody to think I'm just hating on him because his name is Charlo. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm hearing that, that uh, sparring. <laughs> yeah, the sparring partners are kind of having their way with him, and they're telling him, "Hey, you're gonna have to get serious. You're gonna have to step it up. This Canelo, this Canelo. You know, you you can't let the sparring partner have a take your confidence. You got to get back." You know, you you got to, hey, you don't right. land that punch. He's, he's doing a lot of whiffing, you know, throwing strong jabs, throwing punches, and the sparring partners are, like, wearing him out. They don't want to reveal the sparring partner's names, <laughs> but the sparring partner's been, like, wearing him out. And I, I kind of think it, I know the guy that he's sparring with, and if they sparring with that guy, that guy is, um, yeah, he he's solid. <laughs> So I'm going to wait before I say anything. But, yeah, he's a he's a solid guy, you know, it's like for sparring and stuff. He's worked out with a lot of people. I think Mayweather uh, sparred with him, too, for, I believe, one of the Marcos Madonna fights. So this guy's pretty tough. Okay. Yeah, so it's who I think it is. He's a Hispanic fighter. But I think if it's, if it's him... Yeah, he's pretty solid. And they normally would use him for Canelo, because like, I think Floyd used him for Canelo also. 
So you know, I got folks messaging me about this Haney Shakur stuff. Well, what are your take on that? Because you know, we saw the clip that was leaked, that was recorded on the low, or it seemed like on the low. The way it can be, it can be taken a, a bunch of different ways. You know, he said, "Oh, if 130 gets hot, we'll go to 140 um, or too hot or whatever." That's what he said. Uh, Bill said it on the uh, the you know on the recording, but. He never was at 130, so what does that exactly mean? You know, um, what are your thoughts on it? Is it just like Twitter beef? They're not going to fight anytime soon. What are your thoughts? Haney doesn't want to fight. Haney doesn't want to fight. That's just all to it. Uh, They tried to price themselves out, offer them 25. They don't want Stevenson, Shakira Stevenson. They don't want to fight. They want to move on and build up. They talking about, yeah, I'm going to get you down the line. He doesn't want to fight Shakir Stevenson right now. That's just all that is. He feels that's too rich risk, too less reward. He don't think it's big enough. So he's like, well, I just fought two, two fights in another guy's backyard. And, you know, both fights. And he was like, oh, one fight, you know, Bob Aaron set you up. You know, that's not, and that's not the case at all. Um, Bob Arum didn't have a choice in the situation, even though they were the promoters of the fight. That was the request that was done by the team that says, hey, these fights got to be here or we're not fighting. That's the way Haney had to agree to take it. That was from, um, what's his name's team? Not from top rank. They didn't say, hey, you know, put both of the fights there. You know, in his hometown, is even the rematch, you know, it was their call. They wanted it that way, and as they did it, they had to come back and do a rematch, and Haney had to beat him twice, and he did. And the Lomo fight, now that's the one he should be rematching. Now, I, read, I want to see the rematch with Lomacheco because Lomacheco, to me, won the fight. But it was close enough to, uh, that I wasn't be disappointed if I saw a rematch. But at this point, I just don't think they want to fight because it's clear that when you price a guy out, when you price a guy out with, uh, you know, the decisions that they make and say, oh, well, I don't think this is the way we're going to go in this direction, 25%. I mean, you're not even saying 60, 40. You want 75% of the money. It's like, come on, who's going to take that? And it's like, Stevenson said, you know what? I'm not rejecting the fight. I'm rejecting 25%. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think I'm more worth more than 25%. I think anybody would would agree with that. But there's no way, no way in the world that um, that's showing me that they really want to fight. I think his team realizes, his father and everyone believes that this is too high of a risk and reward situation. So they're trying to wait and see. But the longer they wait, the worse it is for Devin Haney. If you want to fight Stevenson, you better do it like the, the quick and now because he's only going to get better. He's only going to get stronger and start filling out the weight class more. So you don't want to be in a situation where physically you can't, you're struggling to make the weight class 
and here's this guy who's filled into it, and he's ready to go. And you're you're not. You don't want to be in that situation. You don't want to be in a Kell Brook, Errol Spence situation. <laughs> you're doing it for the money. It's like the money and everything is too great to say no to. You don't want to be that guy. All right. Well, there you have it. Once again, I appreciate you stopping through, man, and uh, you have yourself a good night. And we'll be I'll be back oh, next thank Tuesday. Thank you guys night. for having me, man. So you know. I'll be back All next right, Tuesday. Thanks, for sure. All right, All man. Right, cool. Later. All right. Later. All righty. Um so my take on like I said, I rewatched that Eubank and Smith and the first round was pretty close. Um the right hand and a few other good right hands I would say. Uh, really just one good right hand, really. Uh, a couple lands, though, good lands by Smith. I'd probably say a few decent lands along with the jab probably did it um, for Eubank, but that was the closest round in the first three rounds. Otherwise, I thought the second and third were clear um, for Eubank. Um, I did notice in the second and third that um, – that Smith was able to start to like be on his way to cornering Eubank more and more, not land enough clean shots in the second and third round for me to win, you know, for him to say he won it. But I did notice he started cornering him more and started cutting the ring off, you know. Um, and a little later in the round, um, I don't know. I, I, I just think that he just wasn't that effective. Whereas Eubank had the movement, had the jab. He landed a, a late, really nice uppercut in the third round. But then that fourth round, the flurries of combinations that knocked him down. Yeah, there was an elbow in there, like I said, but there were several big, big shots, and he got up. Super, super hurt. Shouldn't have popped right up. Um, easy for me to say that, but you know, he definitely shouldn't have popped up that quick. And then got knocked down, and like I said, he was out. You know, he almost damn near threw, threw another punch at him. You know, um, after they called it, and I don't know. Like I've been saying, this Roy Jones stance. You know, I, I just, I honestly thought that there'd be like subtle movement, circling, jabbing, consistent jabbing. We're definitely going to have to see that from Eubank Jr. The jab and. And more standing his ground. I'm not talking about being in there. I mean, shit, he hit you with some flush shots, so I'm not saying try to bang it out with Smith because Liam Smith is a, is a pretty damn good fighter. And, and so you're not just going to bang it out with them. And I was wrong, by the way, and I'm glad someone uh, said it. There wasn't a catch weight the first time. I thought it was a 158, but it wasn't. In fact, now that I remember, I'm glad someone refreshed my memory, I remember Liam Smith saying, I think I was stuck on the Connor Ben 157. I think that's where I, I, I went wrong. There was a catch weight there. But, yeah, I remember Liam Smith now. I remember this him saying I, I wanted 58 or 59, but he wouldn't give it to me. So they both did weigh in at 158. So thanks, thanks for, uh, you, know, uh, you know, reminding me of that. Um, you know, he's been on a – I don't know, he beat Fowler before this, Jesse Vargas. 
not really meaning a whole lot at that, you know, at that time, in my opinion. Um, fought, you know, he got knocked down against Munguia. Munguia, that was, what, 2018 or something like that? Beat Aggington. Um, those back-to-back fights with Liam Smith after losing to uh, Saul, you know, Canelo. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the only, you know, he's taken some L's, but that is the only time he got stopped. And, and he is, he is, he does have some fundamentals. Um, I just think that, like, I think you're going to have to push him back at times. And like I said, I'm not saying stand in the pocket, just bang it out, use that jab, you know, and, and, and try to try to push him back a little bit. I mean, you are the bigger guy, right? Um, and, you know, not majorly, you know. I'm not saying he's way bigger than him, and obviously he knocked him out, so it doesn't matter. Now, I will say this. Um, some people are saying, you know, Eubank can't make 160 anymore. We'll see. You know what I mean? We'll see. Because he, he did make 160 prior to, um, you know, against Liam Williams, actually. He, he made 160. Um, he made 160 against uh, Korobov. Um, I know, was it the DeGale fight, the girls fight? That was at 68. But I'm in between on this one. Um, you know, I think picking Liam Smith is a good pick. Um, but I got to say that I think I'm going to go in, in, in the age, and maybe he is having problems making that, but at a plus 140 in this scenario, I don't think that's that's a bad pick. You know, I do think the fight will go the distance this time, so I'm going to put money on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to pick Eubank Jr. I think he'll fight smarter. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's he, what he's never been a great defender. Neither guy are great defenders. I say this all the time. There's not many great defenders in the sport, so it's kind of a dumb thing to say. But as long as he doesn't have that shoulder way down and him just winding up and down and, you know, almost like you're bowling, right? <laughs> like, think of the bowling motion. That's Roy Jones swinging that left arm, you know, he's Roy Jones. It's a little different. So I, I hope that he's going to fight kind of in between what he used to fight like in the Roy Jones style. Because like I said, I thought, I'm not saying don't move on the outside. I just think if you're going to rely on your on the Roy Jones movement, that's going to – clearly it causes a, a defensive pull because look what happened. You know what I mean? And it's not like Smith is known to be this big, big, big puncher. I mean, he can pop. He can punch. But he's not – he hasn't been known as a big puncher. You know what I mean? So I think you – I'm going to pick Eubank Jr. to win by decision. I wouldn't doubt if it's like a, a split or a majority decision, but um, I'm going to put some money on him at a plus 140. Um, I am going to bet um, – I am going to bet the uh, at least the yes-no question about going the distance um, just because I think that's a little bit better on my bookie than just uh, picking the over. Um, and what else? Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to go the distance. Like I said, I think it wins. 
Um, but we'll see. I mean, I just think he needs to push him back at times and be, have this fight take place in the middle of the ring and jab, jab, jab. You know, use that jab that, that was landing. And in pot shots and scoring points is great. Um, but I, I, like I said, I hope that he's not in that Roy Jones stance too long. You know what I mean? I think it's just like, dude, that's just going to be trouble. But I'm looking forward to this fight. Um, I, I do have a personal bet favoring Liam Smith because I mean this is a, this is a competitive fight, so I'm all over the place. But so, I have a bet with someone that thinks Eubank, Eubank's going to knock out Liam Smith, and I don't think that's going to happen. So I have that bet, a personal bet. I'm going to bet um, the yes no on my book that it's going to go the distance, and I'm going to put some money on uh, plus 140, I think I got it at. And actually, I see it, I see it, is there something higher? There's a plus 138 in Betway, plus 140, like I said, on FanDuel as well, um, plus 135 um, in the UK. So, yeah, I mean, you know, also on the other card, I look for Mark uh, Heffron to beat Jack Cullen. Um, some people are saying, I just got a message, someone saying I'm putting money on, uh, they got a plus 270 on the undercard or on the underdog with, with Jack Cullen. All right. You know, I, I think Heffron will win that fight. But, I'm look, you know, otherwise, that's probably the closest fight um, on, on paper when it comes to that card. Michaela Meyer, Mayer, Adam Mazine. David Allen against Frazier Clark. Frazier Clark is a big, you know, big favorite there. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I am picking you, Bang Jr., to get the job done. Um, I think you'll get it done. But, yeah, I'm, I'm picking distance and, and, and other stuff. Um, on that Shakur stuff, um, you know, it – the 25% was supposedly for an overall, like a pay-per-view. So you get 25% of the revenue. Um, Carcino was just talking about it wasn't coming from the top rank side. Was it coming from Matchroom? Was it coming from the Haney's? Where was that coming from then? But, yeah, when you hear 25%, it does kind of make you scratch your head. But then again, he has the four belts, or he had them. Oh, he's champion in recess in one of them, but the WBC, right? We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, now that is that a take it or leave it? It sounded like it was. Was that a real offer? Was it cap? I, you know, I don't know, man. I, th- I think it's it's kind of a mixture of everything, to be honest with you. Kind of a mixture of everything. Um, I, I didn't think that fight was going to happen, to be honest with you, anyway. So I, I, I wasn't really shook from it or nothing like that, you know? Um, and to be fair, it's not like Haney and Lomachenko did 250000 or 300000 You know what I mean? No, it did really good at the gate. Um, and I don't think it lost a bunch of money. You know, it didn't do 100000 you know. But I also, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I think it was really... Not much. Yeah, a lot to do about numbers. You know that old saying. 
to me, I don't know, man. I just didn't. I didn't really think that that was real. But you know, I understand some folks that say, "Hey, twenty-five percent of the revenue is a pretty good deal, considering you've never been in a, a, that kind of fight." He does pretty solid gates, um, Shakur, and they're, they're, they keep building and stuff like that. Um, but he's never been on pay-per-view, you know. Um, but like I said, I mean, is he a clear A-side in that fight? Yeah, because of the belts, but it's not like, like I said, it's not like he had all these great fights. Uh, by the way, um, I did forget to mention, this is a while back, but the Baker, the, the Kane Baker and Jordan Flynn fight, that was an entertaining fight. Um, that was a little while ago. Same with that, uh, that Walker in, uh, Patterson, um, Walker ended up, that was a big upset. I did want to mention that. Um, and there was another one that I wanted to mention. I think it was, uh, Baluda and McCain. McCain? McCain? Um, that was, yeah, that was good. That was, those were good fights. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, let's see here. Um, so anyway, beyond that, you know, what did he mean exactly by the 130, 140 thing? I don't know. I favor Shakur in the fight. I do know that. Um, and speaking of Shakur, um, first of all, he said that next year um, will be his last year of his top-ranked contract. Um he was on the DAZN boxing show uh, talking about, you know, a tank fight, um, you know, Ryan and all that stuff, right? No, we'll see. Maybe maybe he'll be a free agent as well. You know what I mean? Maybe he'll be a free agent. We'll, we'll see on that. I, I don't know. But um, but we what we do know, right, what we do know is, what we know is there is some talks going on for a next fight for him. And that next fight potentially would be um, Frank Martin, which would be a, a really solid-ass fight, be a great fight. Real quick here, here's some quotes from uh, Bill Haney on the Boxing Voice. Uh, and I, I believe they do now have both teams on there. I, I'm obviously on the show. I, don't, I just saw the, 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 the headline. Um, it says, Bill Haney has declared that Shakur Stevenson said he wanted a 50-50 purse split to challenge Haney in response to their 75-25 offer. There's no precedent where you're an undisputed champion and you give 50-50 to the challenger. Okay. Um, he also went on uh, and said, went on to say on the boxing boy, shout out Ness, he said, are, are you, let's see, Devin Haney's father on leaked video said, are you wearing wires? What's going on? That was over four years ago. We've never been at 130. I was talking about Shakur. If we move up to 140 and 140 is hot, then he could move up from 130 to 140. Hot being the fight is hot. If the fight is hot, go to 140 and fight. We never said we would fight Shakur. Today, I'm on Shakur's ass. He's a fraud. He's a fake. He's around recorded motherfuckers. That's what he said. Okay, so there's there's some quotes when it came to that. 
okay? I wasn't duck at the close, okay? <laughs> but there was, you know, they actually talked about um, how, what was it, September 5th? Did I get that right? It's September 5th. And here it is, Bill, exclusive. This is the boxing boys. Bill Haney and Team Stevenson collide live on TBV. That's what was going on during the show. So I did want to lead you that way. Um, but, yeah, I think it was September 5th, right? That's when they'd call the purse bid. If, in fact, they can get this puppy going, they, they talked about it on ESPN. If I remember correctly. Um, and, you know, will that fight get made? I don't know. But I do like that the WBC, because as we know, Haney is the, the you know, the, the, the champion in recess because he said he's going to 140. And then that gives him an option of coming back. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I do like that they already have a date. You know, I do like that part. Um, I really like that part. I think that's pretty cool. Because then it's like, all right, we can move on then. At least we'll get some sort of, whether they're in talks and it goes, you know, it, it goes someplace, right? And that'd be great too. If it went someplace and they didn't even need the purse bid, right? That'd be awesome. That would be very good. But... If it doesn't happen, then we move on to the next person. So it doesn't take forever. Was it September 5th? Am I right on that? I think I am. I think I am. So we'll see. You know, we will see. And in, in, in what's his toes was uh, Mauricio said, you know, they, uh, they're, they're, he confirmed Mauricio Solomon, WBC president, Confirmed that Stevenson and Martin are on the talks. The negotiations are underway after Vasily Lomachenko and Isak Cruz both declined the offer to fight for the, the, the belt. So, the vacant belt. So, you know, hopefully we get this done. That would be phenomenal. And that would be a fight that, like I said, if they can, if they can, negotiate a fair price for both of them. Cool. If not, let's go to the purse bid and see who wants it more. Let's see who wants this fight. Um, so I'm happy. I'm happy that, you know, it's not going to take forever too. I mean, September 5th is just around the corner. So maybe there was, there isn't much negotiation going on. It's next Tuesday that they're going to call a purse bid. So we should know some information uh, somewhat soon anyway you know, on that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I I would love to fight. I think it's a legit opponent. Um, Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on, man. That would be phenomenal. Let's hope that's what happens. Um, Yeah, a lot of doubt about, um, you know, Wilder and AJ, if it's going to happen. If not, um, Today on IFL TV, you had Eddie saying, hey, hey we, we want to do it. That's our focus. But if we don't get it done within a handful of weeks or whatever, AJ wants to fight in December. We'll fight in January. He also talked about how, you know, um, we, we've heard that, um, you know, 
that Wilder wants a tune-up. You know, he wants to get in there and tune it up. But in October, and then that would, you know, make him be able to be free. Not make him, but, you know, be free uh, to fight in January. So we'll see. You know, we'll see if this is actually something that, if they, if this fight's gonna gonna happen or not, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I, I still think it's going to, but obviously, you know, we'll see. We, you know, and that's the beauty of it. We will at least see in the coming weeks. You know, won't take a ton of time to know. Deontay Wilder did state on Elliot's setback uh, channel, YouTube channel, ES News, um, ESEN. Is that what it is? Yes, new. I forgot. But a setback. He said uh, he's working on a two-fight deal with Joshua, one in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, and one in Africa. He added, uh, that's the one that's up next. I'll be getting in camp for that real soon. It's going to be great, great fight between me and him. That's what he said. Uh, Anthony Joshua has revealed uh, Saudi Arabia now want to, you know, revive the idea of staging in both fights, uh, Wilder AJ and Fury and Usyk on the same night. Uh, the goal is to have Usyk Fury compete for undisputed, blah, blah, blah. It'd be a great event. He, st- he told that the Sky Sports it would be a great event. Um, Wilder also said the setback that Ruiz priced himself out. He wanted 20 or $25 million. He knows he ain't getting that shit for being a six-month champion or less. This isn't even a title fight. You're talking about 20 or $25 million. Now, he came back and said he's ducking them and that they wanted, and I'm talking about Ruiz, because he did a live stream. He said, you know, they want to, they basically want to give me the same money I got for my last fight against Ortiz or whatever. Uh, he said, you know, effing pussy ass, names his price. Someone said $10 million. Tell him to pay, pay me what I deserve. But he did kind of make it sound like, well, I'd fight him for $10 million. I don't know. It's, he looked like he was having fun in the video, let's put it that way. Um, what else we got? Oh, we know Connor Ben will reportedly now face an appeal, you know, from UCAD uh, or from the B, the triple BFC. They're, they're appealing it. It also sounds like, you know, Eddie wants to uh, – have them fight here soon. Whether that's um, in September, October, or never, you know, I don't know, but that's what he did say in the recent, you know, IFL TV. He said that, he, you know, he's actually, uh, uh, he said this in the matchroom boxing uh, video, too. He said, it, you know, uh, he's targeting a September 23rd, possibly in Florida, that Orlando show, or September 30th. Uh, in London, depending on whether or not the BBBFC will allow him to fight in the UK, why the UK case appeal is ongoing, because he's not suspended. He can say that a bunch. He also talked about how he's considering um, creating matchrooms equivalent, matchrooms own equivalent to the WBC clean boxing program. So it would be like VADA 365, he has no teeth, though, much like Vada. You know, to actually, well, he, he can, you know, he can call off events or whatever. Uh, he'd have to put that in the contract that he'd have that 
power, I guess, under those circumstances. But I don't know. I mean, he's had a string of, you know, people popping in his events. In the last year, you had Connor Ben. Then, of course, you know, Bob Gardner, and then now Gillian White and Hellenius. Now, he keeps saying that we do the most testing. I think they put on the most events, so that would make sense. Um, now, he does the most testing if you want to compare him to the U.K. boxing. Um, but as far as testing goes, there's, you know, top rank in uh, the PBC do some testing as well as far as using Vada. Um, but, yeah, he does put on the most events, so maybe he means that. But as far as, like, well, we're putting in extra and nobody does that, he means the U.K., because, uh, you know, there's plenty uh, – I don't know. The whole thing about the 365 testing is like when you hear Victor Conte with the Vada stuff, he makes it sound like it's like six. I heard him say four. I've heard him say six. I heard him say eight tests a year. Um, that's still not a lot, even if you fight once or twice. My thing is – if you're not getting tested on a weekly basis every single week of the year, and I'm not saying that's a foolproof system right there, you know, but if you're not if you're not getting tested once a week year round, you can call it whatever the fuck you want, 365, 247, 147, like, you know, the Brits always talk about welterweight, 147. Um it's really not – it doesn't – first of all, Vada, as we know, don't have teeth, and it, it's really not all that great. You can join the 365, but if they're only testing you six or eight times uh, outside of your training camp, that's, that's great. It's better. It's better than not getting tested, uh, definitely. But unless you're not – if you're getting tested weekly, 365 – Right, all year round, every week you get tested. You don't know when, but you're getting. Now you can you can still work around that, but it gets a lot tougher to work around that. And Marco Ortega, uh, to that matchroom tweet or the, actually I think it's Benson, but he said so the guy who multiple times wanted to ignore, ignore positive tests would be able to oversee the testing. Sounds great. Yeah, it you know he even said that he doesn't he wouldn't have any. But, but yeah, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's, uh, I don't think that's a great idea, uh, to be very honest with you. And by, by the way, this is Jake Donovan. Shouts out to Jake. The WBA is still reviewing medical record exemption plus supporting documents for one forty-pound titleist Rolando Roly Romero. Ruling expect, expected by the end of the day on how to proceed with the previous order mandatory title defense versus O'Hara Davies. Now, with that said, let's jump on boxing seat to make sure that we don't have a ruling and I'm not doing my job properly. And I do not see, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see any kind of update on that. So, assuming that's uh, maybe it got decided and they're going to send it out, you know, to 
tomorrow. Tim Zhu and Brian Mendoza. Now, I know this fight got announced a little while ago. I didn't, wasn't able to do a show because of the internet last week. October 15th, the 14th year, WBO title. Tim Zhu, Brian Mendoza. Mendoza scored the upset over Fundora. He thought he was going to be rematched. He earned this shot. That's a, that's a banger. That's a great fight. I, I like that fight a lot. There is also some talk about November 11th, I believe, with Regis Progre and Devin Haney. Speaking of that fight, once again, Eddie Hearn said Regis Progre has signed. Haney hasn't. Some people are wondering if Haney's looking at a different fight. I don't know, you know, what, what, what that is. Um, but that's what it is. This is Al Dawson. He was uh, covering the Nevada Athletics uh, Athletic Commission meeting. Uh, TGB, which obviously does business, a whole lot of it with the PBC, November 4th, November 11th, December 9th, and December 30th. They have hold at the MGM Grand or T-Mobile. Top rank has February 10th at the Mandalay. So just uh, – and by the way, Spence, among the requests for um, – Unarmed combat license? Oh, a combat license. Okay. McGregor has a second, he said. That's his tweet. Sorry, that was that was kind of weird. Okay. Um, and this is Regis Progray, by the way. If Haney fight doesn't happen next, then I'm going to fight AB in November in Houston. And after that, we'll have a big unification with Matias or Tio in New York or Vegas. So he's putting pressure on it. There was this report that came out in the Ryan Garcia uh, uh, motion to dismiss, dismiss the Golden Boy lawsuit, his legal team states uh, that there was a breach in the contract, right, the promotional contract, and um, failing to fulfill its payment obligations to Ryan Garcia. As we know, there's a clause in there that says, hey, you know, We'll, we'll 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 talk this out, you know, and it's that's what the Garcia side wanted to go to. Part of their contract is they they negotiated out. They go to you know they they figure it out, right? They they uh, they let someone judge them, judge it, you know. Um, they filed a lawsuit. Golden Boy did against that, so they're saying, all right. Here's what we came up with. They're saying that they haven't been paid for something. I don't know. This was a little while ago, too, almost a week ago. We did get um, a winner of the Matias uh, Ergashev fight, TGB, so that fight should be announced here soon. Also, in Vegas, Golden Boy actually has the tickets. I think it's the pre-sale, so check them out. Zerto and Smith, Zerto Ramirez Smith Jr., at Chelsea, the Cosmopolitan, it's a good room. 12-round cruiserweight battle, I believe it's at 190. It is from what I'm told. Now, speaking of that pro-gray Haney, this was, you know, a little while ago, Dan Raphael said, you know, there's still no deal. Um, but he was hearing that they're going to make it a pay-per-view, Haney and Um, I don't think that's a great idea. If that's the only way you can make it, it is what it is. Now, I will say this, and that was a while ago he said that. 
Um, but the way Eddie Hearn spoke, he wasn't saying that that's on Joe Rogan. Terrence Crawford did say um, that he's ready to fight him at 168 Canelo. He's ready to go. He's ready. He is ready to go, he said. Um, and Canelo also said, hey, all right, well, I mean, you never know in boxing if it comes across my desk type of thing. Who knows? Um, this is what he said. You never know. It's possible. Why not? If it makes sense, I'm down to do it. That's what he said. Because so, remember, he said I wasn't going to you know, go all the way to, to 168 and all that shit. Billy Joe Saunders might be back in the ring in a tune-up in December. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't really care about that. But, hey, you know, if he if, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes, you know. Um, let's see. What else is there? I think close to being there. Um, they, so, according to ESPN, that, you know, um, that Isak Cruz, the reason why he Isak Cruz, you know, wasn't available for the Shakur fight is because he's going to fight, you know, Tank next. Um, that's not a big shocker there. So here's one thing. So DAZN ran like a promo for upcoming fights, and a lot of people were making fun of him because they they spelled Hitchin, uh, Hitchens, Richardson Hitchens' name wrong. And they also put the wrong weight class Flightweight instead of flyweight for Rodriguez and Edwards. And, you know, that is two errors in there. The one thing I thought was very misleading is if you look at the Hitchens and Zapata fight, it says IBF and WBC silver super lightweight titles. That makes it look like they're saying it's a unification. And the Pachenko Kokoris fight, I think it's Kokoris. They're saying, you know, WBO and, you know, some other bullshit super middleweight title. It looks like there's there's only one unification on there, Rodriguez and Edwards. But that, I have more problems with the misleading of the unifications. I mean, you don't have to list bullshit silver belts and act like it's, you know, a, a great thing. Now, real quick, undercard. I forgot to mention this. Canelo Charlo. I absolutely love this undercard. I don't care. I mean, this is a damn good undercard. Uh, I think, you know, like Jesus Ramos and Lubin, I already gave my take on that. We already knew about that fight, but Lubin is fast. He's got a good jab. We know that his chin is a little suspect, obviously. He's got power. He's a good fighter. He's going to give Jesus Ramos something to think about, multiple things to think about. Now, I like Ramos in the fight, but that's a big step up. The Ugas Barrios fight, Almost a winner goes home, right? Barrios did manage to get a fight in, but he lost back-to-back fights, uh, Davis and and Thurman. So he beat Santiago. But that Ugas fight, now people are saying, oh, it's for some interim bullshit. I don't care about the belts. I care about the matchups. And Ugas has been out for quite some time. This is a good fight for him to come back to after the eye issue. Right, in the one side to be on that, you know, big shot he landed, um, or those two big shots he landed, he pretty much got beat up pretty good. So I think this is a great fight. And then Elijah Garcia going against uh, Resendez. 
Resendez, you know, coming off a big win over her. Uh, he's made some noise uh, just of late. I, I like that fight. It's a really good test for Garcia, who, you know, is busy. I think he's like 15-0 now. Uh, he fought in April. He's back at it. That's a That's a damn good fight card. I don't care what anybody says. That's a damn good fight card, man. I am looking forward to that. There's a lot of action fights. There's just a lot to like for a boxing fan. It's not just, you know, the main event, which a lot of pay-per-views can be. Anyway, I think it's about to cut me off, so I don't have much time left. Um, Enjoy the fights this weekend. Um, What else do we got? That's about it. Here's one thing. Oh, okay. So Liam Smith says, it was low whether his protector is high or not which should be pulled down at the start. It's just uh, it's below the waistband, right? But he said the best way to explain to people who aren't understanding, the referee will come to you uh, in the fighters before the fight, explain the rules, then check the shorts. And, and that was a problem that they didn't do. I thought that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good thing. Here's Fred. Other highlights of the ESPN show. Bradley lost his mind demanding that PBC make fights on broadcast. You know, he was talking about the Shakur and Martin. When they talked about the Fury Usyk, hope it can get done. Maybe Fury takes care of business. It is kind of funny how it, all of a sudden his, uh, you know, his tunes change. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. Um, be back next Tuesday. Peace.